at sacredheartradio.com. Monday, the 6th of November. Let's begin together in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. A pure heart create for us, O God. When we mistake our own way for yours, bring us back to your truth and your love. When we mistake our own words for yours, make us hear your word in humility of heart. When we break faith with one another, restore us to the covenant you have made with us in Christ. O God, our Creator and our Father, forgive us when we listen to words other than yours and eat the bread of providers other than you. Lead us back to the Word and to the bread of life which we share in the Eucharist through Christ our Lord. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. It is a better way to start a Monday morning. It is the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hope you're having a good Monday so far. I know there's not much to judge it on just yet. uh, And I don't want to freak anybody out too badly. But we're a month out from Advent at this point. That That is wild. I woke up and we're already like six days into November. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Kevin Schmeezing is going to be along to take a look at this week in Catholic history, as is his custom, first thing on a Monday. We'll check in with Father John Gavin, our Jesuit correspondent on the Church Fathers and the Catechism. He is uh, always there to take a look at the things in the Catechism that have reference to the Church Fathers, and there are a lot of them. And, of course, there is a lot going on in a lot of different places heading into Election Day, including, uh, for those of you who are listening on St. Gabriel Radio or Annunciation Radio in Toledo, or perhaps John Paul the Great Radio, or maybe AM 1260 The Rock, wherever you happen to be listening in the state of Ohio, there's a big one, and I mean a big one, on the ballot. And, uh, of course, it applies to us at Sacred Heart Radio as well. So we will talk to Sue Libel from the Susan B. Anthony List about some of the information and misinformation related to issue one in the state of Ohio. So stay tuned for that. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Secretary of State Antony Blinken made a pair of unannounced visits in the Middle East yesterday. First, Blinken met with Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas during a surprise stop in the occupied West Bank. Later, he traveled to Iraq on the third day of his tour of the region as the war between Israel and Hamas continues to rage. Speaking in Baghdad, Blinken said... He believes progress is being made as the U.S. works to keep the conflict from spreading. Meanwhile, Pope Francis has said wars in the Middle East and Ukraine are killing the future of children. During his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father again appealed for a ceasefire by Israeli forces in Gaza and for Hamas to release the 200 Israelis it's holding hostage. 
During his prayers, he asked the faithful to think about all the children involved in the war in Israel and Gaza, as well as in Ukraine, and what he called other and what he said were other conflicts around the world. Former President Trump is scheduled to take the stand in the Trump Organization's civil fraud trial in New York today. Trump's sons, Eric and Donald Trump Jr., testified last week in the trial, which accuses the Trump family organization of inflating their wealth to obtain better loans. Ivanka Trump will testify Wednesday, November 8th, despite her attempt to legally block it, claiming she would suffer undue hardship if forced to testify in the middle of a school week. After court last week, Judge Arthur N. Gorin barred the lawyers from discussing his interactions with his clerk under threat of serious sanctions. The 2024 presidential election is exactly one year away. New polling done by the New York Times and Siena College shows former President Trump holds an edge over President Biden across five key swing states in hypothetical matchups. Trump holds an edge in Nevada, Georgia, Arizona, Pennsylvania, and Michigan, with Biden only holding a two percentage point lead in Wisconsin. Biden and Trump are both the overwhelming favorites at the moment for the nomination of each of their parties. Meanwhile, the off-year election takes place tomorrow, and in Ohio, voters are ramping up to vote on issue one, which could, if passed, enshrine abortion in the state constitution. More on that with Sue Liebel later this hour. And Buffalo Bills player DeMar Hamlin is setting up a scholarship program in honor of the hospital workers who saved his life. Hamlin suffered cardiac arrest on the field back in January while playing in Cincinnati and ended up in the ICU for a week. Over the weekend, he announced he was establishing 10 $1,000 scholarships, each one in the name of the 10 people on the hospital team that kept him alive. Hamlin said his Cincinnati Heroes Scholarship will help underserved high school and college-bound students attend private high schools, trade schools, or universities in the area. Pretty cool. cool. But I am still glad that our Bengals beat his Bills yesterday. Yeah, it was a good game, though. I actually stayed up... for the for most of the game, I had a chill afternoon. Really and nice. Then I actually stayed up for the game, and it was wow. a good game. You know, Bengals. And I went Bills to bed was... at halftime and felt pretty good about it. So you know, when you watch the, the Cowboys and the Eagles, as I was able to watch just a couple minutes of yesterday, that's a that's a bitter rivalry. Mm-hmm. Like Bills and Bengals, is, it's more like iron sharpening iron. Yep. Like you just, you watch those guys Agreed. out, and you're like, these guys make each other better. Yep. Yep. It's I a agree. shame they can't play in the Super Bowl because they're both in the AFC. Oh well. Oh. Oh, well. Well, hope you had a great weekend. I hope you got to get outside, uh, depending on where you are. I know in my area, it was beautiful. Yeah, outside. it was. And will continue to be. Good. We'll take it as much as we can get it. Yep. It is seven minutes past the hour. The Sunrise Morning Show continues with a look at this week in Catholic history. Here to do that, as always, is Kevin Schmeezing, author of A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, Matt. All right, let's start with the 15th century and the opening of the Council of Constance. Yeah, it happened this week in 1414. The historical setting for the council was what is sometimes called the Great Western Schism, which we've talked about before, a period in which there were two, sometimes three claimants to the papacy, resulting in terrible confusion and division within Christendom. 
A council at Pisa a few years earlier had only aggravated the situation, so there was strong sentiment for another more effective gathering. Somewhat oddly, it was one of the anti-popes, John XXIII, who is not to be confused with the 20th century. I want to make sure John that we XXIII. know that that's a different John XXIII. <laughs> that's right? right. This was an entirely different person back in the 15th century. <clears throat> so he called the council, which took place at Constance, a city in what is now southwest Germany. It was convened this week, November 5th, 1414. Its main order of business, resolve the schism. In this, it was successful. John XXIII agreed to resign, as did the valid pope, Gregory XII. The other anti-pope refused to withdraw, but he lost support after the council. Martin V was elected, and the church was reunified. On the other important order of business, the council was less successful. It condemned heretical views that were spreading in the teachings of men such as John Wycliffe in England and Jan Hus in Bohemia, but it did not implement the reforms necessary to stem the budding Protestant Reformation. In fact, it arguably stimulated it by its treatment of Hus, whom it called to defend himself, ignoring the promise of safe conduct and executing the former priest. The council continued until 1418, though some of its later decrees, which embraced the concept of conciliarism, that's the idea that a council is superior to the pope, were not endorsed by the Pope, and so never considered authentic church teaching. So it was a bit of a mess, Matt, but it did manage to clean up the mess of three Popes. The Council of Constance this week in 1414. And it would be about 100 years later, actually about 103 years later, that Martin Luther would uh, come out with his 95 theses. So exactly. that, uh, that issue was far from over. But let's head to the state of Maryland. And of course, there's a lot of Catholic history in Maryland. What are we talking about today? We're talking about Thomas Simley, who was a convert and the governor of Maryland. And the first point I wanted to make here, Matt, was that this is not the Thomas Simley. So another another case of the same name, Thomas Simley, who was a prominent Baltimore, Washington priest in the early 20th century. And he's the one who built the church that is now St. Matthew Cathedral in D.C. So the one we're looking at is from much earlier in the 18th century. And an interesting point here, Matt, my exploration of this week's Thomas Simley began with a Facebook message from an author I don't know, but who came across my name. He wanted to know who was the first Catholic to serve as governor of a U.S. state. I realized to my shock and dismay that I didn't know the answer. I thought immediately of Al Smith of New York, but I discovered he's probably not the right answer. So as I pursued the right answer, I came across the name of Thomas Simley, Ultimate, ultimately concluding, though, that it's possible but not probable that he was the first Catholic governor. So the story is he was born in 1745 in Maryland into the famous Lee family of Virginia. He married into an old Maryland Catholic family, the Diggs. He and his wife Mary would have eight children. Mary played an important role during the revolution as a fundraiser for Washington's army. Thomas Simley served as governor of Maryland from 1779 to 1783, then a delegate to the Continental Congress in 1783, and then a second term as governor 1792 to 1794. Now, here's the question. When did he become Catholic? There are reputable historians who call him the first Catholic governor, but they don't specify when he converted. He apparently made a vow to his wife when she was seriously ill that he would join her in the Catholic faith, and he followed through on that promise. But exactly when that occurred remains unclear. There are divergent accounts. One said he became a Catholic about the year 1800. That would be after his terms as governor were over. Another says he became Catholic in 1805. That would also be long after his gubernatorial tenures. Yet another says only that he converted to Catholicism after the war, meaning the Revolutionary War, which could mean but doesn't necessarily mean that he was a Catholic during his second term. 
In any case, Mary Digsley likely was the first Catholic first lady of a state. Mary died in 1805. Thomas lived until 1819. He died this week, November 9th in that year. So I'm sure some listeners are wondering now, who was the first Catholic governor? Well, I still haven't found a definitive answer. It may have been Martin Glynn, the governor of New York in 1913, or James Higgins in Rhode Island in 1907. But it probably was not Thomas Sim Lee, who died this week in 1819. Well, that's a lot more complicated than I thought it was going to be. Uh, fascinating stuff. But we did, as you mentioned, we know that he, he had a very much Catholic first lady. So we got that. We got That's that in correct. the books. Uh, great stuff as always. Kevin Schmeezing. We've got your book, A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com in one of those places you mentioned, uh, St. Matthews in Washington, built by the original Thomas Simsley. Uh, you can check out that uh, and other things related to Catholic history through Kevin's book. Thanks so much, Kevin. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, Matt. You too. All right, let's check on weather for the nation. In the upper Midwest and Great Lakes, there's going to be a rain-snow mix uh, that's going through northern Minnesota and northern Wisconsin. Occasional showers and thunderstorms will be uh, going on in Michigan, Ohio, and parts of West Virginia, Pennsylvania, and New York. Rain showers also this evening in the northeast with rain and snow likely in northern Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine. Rain all day to the coastline from central uh, California to northern Washington, a mix of rain and snow for northern California and portions of Nevada, as well as Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Montana, and western Wyoming. Otherwise, dry and warm weather for the rest of the United States of America. We're back with headlines right after this. It's 13 minutes past the hour. Support is from Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem, a Christmas musical film for the whole family. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. Look at the star. This is it. Do you truly believe that this child is the chosen one? What is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem. Rated PG. Federal guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere this Friday. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. Are you longing to hear God's voice? Lord, teach me to pray. The free Ignatian prayer series will open your heart to his voice, to the peace you're seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy by knowing Jesus personally. Lord, teach me to pray is free. Just go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red box and order the Lord, teach me to pray series. Again, that's lordteachmetopray.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. One of the reasons we should go to Mass is because it is the food of the saints that we receive. And for the saints, they understood rightly that the time after Holy Communion, that those moments are the most precious moments of our lives. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, live from the EWTN Chapel, every morning, 8 Eastern, on EWTN Radio and Television. Quarter pass. Here's Anna with headlines. 
Secretary of State Antony Blinken made a pair of unannounced visits in the Middle East yesterday. Meanwhile, Pope Francis said during his Angelus address yesterday that the wars in the Middle East and in Ukraine are killing the future of children. And the Bishop of Brooklyn has disciplined the pastor who allowed a provocative music video to be filmed on his altar. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Uh, and Anna Mitchell uh, we got into a bit of a discussion. I put something up over the weekend, and they got actually a fair amount of responses. Uh, it is a thought I've shared here on the radio before, and that is that if you ask any individual Catholic to recite the Nicene Creed for memory, or if mm-hmm. you just sit in, to, in your pew and listen around you when we recite the Nicene Creed, uh, you'll get a very kind of mixed you know, version of what's going on. People say in old versions, people going too fast, too slow, uh, people dropping out for a phrase or two. Um, but if you put us all together at mass, somehow the creed comes out of us, uh, most of us without looking. And uh, that's kind of in some ways the mystery of the church. Now, I had somebody push back, push back on me <laughs> saying, well, really, it's just muscle memory. Uh, you can't conflate mir- the miraculous with natural providence. I'm like, hey, listen, man, I'm not saying it's some miracle that happens akin to the miracle of what happens on the altar that you and I can remember the creed when we start saying it together. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it's it's more of like an image of sort of what the church is, which is that you know we're saved together. We're we're all in this together. Where you are weak, let me be strong. Mm-hmm. Where I am weak, please be strong on my behalf. Where I'm having a good week, where it's easy for me to say, you know, I believe in one holy Catholic and Apostolic Church, but it's not as easy for you to say that. Mm-hmm. I'll uh, I'll say the strong part where I'm strong on it, and maybe it's a week where I'm having trouble, you know, understanding how the Holy Spirit has spoken through the prophets. But you're good on that. Let the strength of your voice carry me, <laughs> as it were. Yeah, I mean, we we this is part of being the body of Christ, is it not? I mean, it's a, a very, shall we say, human aspect of it. But why is that bad? It yep. shouldn't be. It shouldn't be viewed as negative in in any way, shape, or form. I think that this is, yeah. Well, and then there was a whole bunch of people who came on and said, well, you know, I don't know it in English. I only know it in Latin. I was like, now, first of all, you're probably lying. <laughs> well, I don't know if you're lying. Maybe they're but, muscle uh, You and your anonymous, Latin like, too. Latin flexing on me. And all I can say to that is... I can get most of it in Latin as long as there's a homeschool family sitting in the pew behind me <laughs> to back me, me up a little bit exactly. that I can bounce off of. Well, you know, and after I fade off after Credo and Unum Deum. Actually, um, it is nice when um, I have been to masses where they do the Creed in Latin, but they sing it. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's, that's helpful. That's usually the the context in which I've. I can't do the creed in Latin unless I sing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel you, man. Yeah, the so Gloria, the Deo the de Deo, Lumen de Lumine, all that stuff. I can't do it unless it's, I'm singing it. But someone else pointed out that, you know, even when it comes to people starting out strong with the uh, the I believe when we start off the Nicene Creed and people fade out in the middle, it seems like everybody picks up at a very interesting point 
where everybody kind of like gets back in is like gets the 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 train gets back on the tracks when we say I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. It seems to me and I'm going to pay attention more, but I feel like that's when everybody kind of like reassembles mm. the line. Yeah, and we're more kind of like on the track, which would make it very interesting in terms of this analogy. <laughs> Yeah, really. <laughs> that we get, we're able Catholic to get back on track when we, when we say that we believe that we are one. Mm-hmm. At any rate. I like that, Matt. That's beautiful. I have to sit and ponder that for a little bit. Someone else wrote, you know, this is true, maybe, but it's because a lot of Catholics don't go to Mass. Ask a Catholic walking out of Mass, and they'll be able to tell you. I was like, actually, no. That's why I came up with this thought, because <laughs> there have been a few people that uh, in various scenarios who I know to be very good mass-going Catholics, but if you start in the middle of a creed to ask them a question about a quote from the middle of the creed, they have to kind of start from scratch and walk themselves through. I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's no guarantee. Just because you have something memorized doesn't mean you can say it from memory on cue yeah. in just any situation. It's true. It's like when you meet somebody that you know from another circumstance, and then you see them at the oh, grocery yeah. store, but you're used to oh, seeing them somewhere else, you're like, I know I you, but do I don't this. know how I know yep. you. Yep, exactly. Yeah. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home to Faith, where Emily Stimson Chapman will discuss her new children's book, The Supper of the Lamb. Alvin Louie will share ways to develop home cybersecurity for families. I'll reflect on the reality that God will judge our lives with frequent traffic and weather. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Looking for a special gift for a loved one this holiday season? Consider an offering of rest, prayer, and a time for reflection. Give the gift of a weekend retreat at the Jesuit Spiritual Center, a time to get away from the busyness of life and embrace God's love and mercy. Call now at 513-248-3500 for more information. That's 513-248-3500, 513-248-3500. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. For over 50 years, the St. Martin District of St. Vincent de Paul has been providing food, clothing, rent, and utility assistance to people in six counties of Southern Ohio. You can join the St. Martin District of St. Vincent de Paul in helping our neighbors with a monetary or vehicle donation, which is simple and easy. 800-322-8284 or donate online at runforthepoor.org. Sunrise Morning Show continues. So glad to have you along on this Monday, November the 6th. Just a heads up, you know, as we get closer and closer to Thanksgiving, be sure to tune in to Rita Heikenfeld's segments because our Bible Foods correspondent will have lots of great make-ahead recipes to help you out so you can be able to focus more on your family ahead of Thanksgiving and not be racing around like a crazy person. 
The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father John Gavin, author of Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer. And today we get to talk about the communion of saints. Father Gavin, good morning. Good morning. So we get to talk about Polycarp in specific today. Uh, what's the context and what are we looking at? Well, uh, if we can look at the context in the catechism, Jimmy, <clears throat> and then the context of the quote. In the catechism, we've come to uh, the sections on the communion of the church of heaven and earth, and this section looks at the three states of the church, that is, uh, the living, those on uh, pilgrimage in the church, uh, to our union in the Father's house, and then uh, those who are in purgatory, and then uh, those, uh, the, the blessed, those who uh, now share in that beatific vision, the saints. And then it looks at the intercession of the saints, our union with them in prayer, and then we come to the section on communion with the saints. And so it's looking at communion with the saints, and this is where it quotes uh, a passage from the Martyrdom of Polycarp, which is a history of martyr, uh, Polycarp, who was bishop in Smyrna in the 2nd century. He died in the 150s, and uh, they... Uh, tried to burn him in the arena, but he was surrounded by the fire instead of being burned, and ultimately they had to stab him uh, to kill him. And he was, uh, he was also a disciple of John, so uh, a connection to uh, the apostles themselves. But this is where this quote from uh, Polycarp, uh, from the life of Polycarp appears. I can, I can read that. Uh, we worship Christ as God's Son, we love the martyrs as the Lord's disciples and imitators, and rightly so, because of their matchless devotion towards their king and master. May we also be their companions and fellow disciples. And the place of that quote is at the end of this account of Polycarp's martyrdom. The, uh, his uh, flock desired to get the relics after he was uh, martyred, but the uh, governor would not give them to them because they uh, mistakenly thought that they would try to worship Polycarp as a god. And so this passage comes in to say uh, our union with the saints is not worshiping them as gods, but rather we have a spiritual union with them, and it, it builds from there. It is a powerful image, and also a reminder that you know, you may think it's just fundamentalists on the internet attacking you for mm. worshiping the bones of saints, but just so you know, people right. people have accused us of that for many years, and that's not what we were. That's not what we're doing. But I love this uh, this piece at the end of the quote says, "We may we mm. also be their companions and fellow disciples." I love yes. that because the way that paragraph nine fifty seven starts off in the catechism, it says it's not merely by the title of example that we cherish mm -hmm. the memory of those in heaven. We're not just saying. Well, that was a good guy. I should probably do some of the things that he did, right? Mm -hmm. These are companions. These are fellow disciples. The church is alive, uh, whether it's in the beatific vision, whether it's suffering in purgatory, whether it's walking around on earth. These are, we're com these are our companions, right? Not just interesting mm -hmm. stories we can read for inspiration and morality lessons. Exactly. Uh, they, are, they are living, and we are in union with them. So the author of this, uh, of this text, of course, points to the primacy of Christ, right? Uh, we do not worship the saints. And yet, uh, as you said, they're not just uh, models for us, but rather we are united with them as our brothers and sisters. 
And that's one of the wonderful, when we put this into the context, of course, they, they desire to get the relics. Uh, they want his body. And they want the body because of this real sense. He lived among them, uh, and yet through the grace of God, was able to make the greatest witness in the gift of his very life. And so to be in contact with him as is it, a real sense that he is alive and that to be have his relics is uh, a form of union with him even now. It's really a powerful, powerful experience that we ourselves can share in uh, with the saints or do share in. You know, I had a, a guy in RCIA a few years back, and uh, he had a very simple and practical. Uh, this was guy. This guy was not a theologian and didn't aspire to be one. But he always had like really good, simple and practical ways to understand some of these things. He's like, my dad always told me that you are the average of the five people that you hang out with the most. <laughs> 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 that you know, wh- whoever you surround yourself with, that's who you're going to end up like. And we know that in this mm-hmm. life, right? I mean, you tell your kids right. like. You know, you hang out in you know the dumpster. You're gonna smell like garbage. Like you, whoever you surround yourself. I mean, why wouldn't that apply to this idea of the communion of saints as well? If this is who you surround yourself with, they are going to mm-hmm. bring you closer to Christ. Just as it would be the case if I surrounded myself with people who are keeping me accountable and praying for me in this life. Right. Right. No, absolutely true. And that's why, whenever I uh, do a baptism, uh, what I like to do is part of the kind of brief homily that I give, uh, I always like to look at the names given to the child that I'm baptizing, or or an adult in many cases, and just to uh, kind of build that connection there, because when we have those names uh, that are given to us, that's a a wonderful lifelong union that we should cultivate in our prayer and in our conversation with them. Uh, Being united to saints in in our baptism, in our confirmation, obviously, our parishes. No, it's, it's it's something that we need to remember always. Well, it's a great conversation to have uh, in a month that kicked off at the beginning with the Feast of All the Saints, right? And uh, now the whole month dedicated to the holy souls in purgatory who are on that path toward heaven. And mm. uh, they're our companions as well as we pray for the repose of their souls. Father John Gavin, thank you so much as always. Great stuff. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. God bless. Half past the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Secretary of State Antony Blinken made a pair of unannounced visits in the Middle East yesterday. First, Blinken met with Palestinian Authority Mahmoud Abbas during a surprise stop in the occupied West Bank. Later, he traveled to Iraq on the third day of his tour of the region as The war between Israel and Hamas continues to rage. Speaking in Baghdad, Blinken said he believes progress is being made as the U.S. works to keep the conflict from spreading. Meanwhile, Pope Francis has said wars in the Middle East and in Ukraine are killing the future of children. During his Angelus address yesterday, the Pope again appealed for a ceasefire by Israeli forces in Gaza and for Hamas to release the 200 Israelis it's been holding hostage. During his prayer, the Holy Father asked the faithful to think about all the children involved in the war in Israel and Gaza, as well as in Ukraine and other conflicts around the world. Rescue efforts continue around the clock after a major earthquake in Nepal. 
Thousands of buildings in Nepal reportedly collapsed in Friday's magnitude 5.7 quake, which has left at least 157 people dead and some 250 others injured. Government officials in Kathmandu say they're making immediate arrangements for displaced families. One survivor said they are making a funeral pyre for each victim to be cremated according to Hindu culture and tradition. Back in the United States, former President Trump is scheduled to take the stand in the Trump Organization's civil fraud trial in New York today. Scott Pringle reports. Donald Trump is expected to be asked about his wealth and his business dealings under oath. State Attorney General Letitia James is accusing Trump of inflating his net worth so the Trump Organization could obtain more favorable loans. James is seeking a $250 million fine and also a ban on Trump's company from doing business in New York State. Two of Trump's sons previously testified and they blamed accountants for any incorrect numbers given to the banks for loans. Scott Pringle, NBC News Radio, New York. Meanwhile, the 2024 presidential election is exactly one year from today. New polling done by the New York Times and Siena College shows former President Trump holds an edge over President Biden across five key swing states in hypothetical matchups. Trump holds an edge in Nevada, Georgia, Arizona, Pennsylvania, and Michigan, with Biden only holding a two-percentage-point lead in Wisconsin currently. Biden and Trump are both considered to be the overwhelming favorites right now for each of their parties. The Bishop of Brooklyn has disciplined a pastor who allowed a provocative pop music video to be filmed on the altar. The Catholic News Agency reports that Bishop Robert Brennan celebrated a mass of reparation at Annunciation of the Blessed Virgin Mary Catholic Church. He has also removed Monsignor Jamie Gigantiello from his position as pastor, as well as from his other position in the diocese. Buffalo Bills player DeMar Hamlin is setting up a scholarship program in honor of the hospital workers who saved his life. Hamlin suffered cardiac arrest on the field back in January while playing in Cincinnati and ended up in the ICU at UC Medical Center for a week. Over the weekend, ahead of his game against the Bengals yesterday, he announced he was establishing 10 $1,000 scholarships, each one in the name of the 10 people on the hospital team who kept him alive. Hamlin said his Cincinnati Heroes scholarship will help underserved high school and college-bound students attend private high schools, trade schools, or universities in the area. That's the news. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the hour. If you would like to write to Sacred Heart Radio, our address is Sacred Heart Radio, 100 East 8th Street, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45202. Our phone number is 513-731-7740. Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air are proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, home of the 100% satisfaction guarantee, because our work is done right the first time for all your plumbing, heating, and air conditioning work. 
Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. Proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, Cincinnati Right to Life ensures that God-given rights are guaranteed for all simply by being human, regardless of age or stage, ability or disability. More information at 1-800-712-HELP. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors, trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at Hoting.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Monday, November the 6th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Nockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Going to be warm again today. Right now, kind of chilly with temperatures in the lower 40s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, partly cloudy and breezy today with a high of 70 degrees. Mostly cloudy tonight and an overnight low of 58. Mostly cloudy with a slight chance for some rain tomorrow and a high of 68 for Election Day. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, a mix of clouds and sun this morning, cloudier this afternoon, and high around 68 degrees. Cloudy with a slight chance of a light shower tonight and an overnight low of 55. Clouds early, then partial sunshine later tomorrow and a high of 66 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m. and 910 a.m. Download our app at sacredheartradio.com. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Sue Liebel. She's Director of State Affairs and the Midwest Regional Director for the Susan B. Anthony List. Sue, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. And I know the Susan B. Anthony List has been working hard in Ohio when it comes to issue one, which is, of course, on the November 7th. (laughs) Ballot, And I want to ask a couple of questions of you that I hope will help people if it comes up in conversation ahead of Election Day, because here on the ground, it's what a lot of people are talking about right now. So, first of all, Cincinnati Right to Life has um, just put out an ad. And if listeners want to see this ad, you can go over to our website, sacredheartradio.com. We've got an issue one page that you can click on and, and find this ad on on YouTube, if you want to share it on social media, for instance, um, it tells the story of an adult soccer coach who got arrested after he got one of his teenage players pregnant, rightfully arrested, of course. Um, but the ad says if issue one were in effect, someone like him would be able to take that girl to an abortion clinic and get it, quote unquote, taken care of without her parents having to know anything about it. And someone may see that ad and say, Sue, nowhere in this proposed amendment does it say that parental consent is going to be eliminated. So how is this so? That is a terrific question. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate that the, in this day and age, We have to look at the fine print, or we even have to look at what something doesn't say. Mm -hmm. But in the amendment, it says that every individual has a right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions. Um, And instead of saying every woman has a right, woman means not a girl. So, therefore, a girl is an individual. A minor is an individual. 
Um, and so the intention there is um, that a minor could make her own decisions about reproductive care. Um, we know this, too, because of the lawsuits that they filed in other states trying to erase parental consent. We know it's a trend. It's a pattern with the abortion industry and the ACLU. So that is actually the fine print, if you will, but it's super clear that a young girl, a minor, would be able to make her own decisions. Now, what we're talking about in the case of the coach, of course, is coercion, yeah. is um, or trafficking. Think, think even more, you know, other types of situations. So this um, this may be something a loophole that would help that coach help a trafficker uh, in the long run. Wow. Um, I, I think Scary. it's a very important point to make that there have been lawsuits in other states that mm-hmm. have sought to to use such vague language to their advantage in this regard. And, and they can pick whatever judge they want. So they find a, a judge and uh, bring up some young girl that doesn't want to tell her parents about an abortion she got. And, and that liberal judge can just eliminate the parental consent laws. Is that right? Yes. And also, um, number B, B number two in the amendment, uh, a person or entity that assists an individual, an ex, an individual, not a girl, hmm. in exercising their rights. So, wow. again, coercion wow. is something that is happening. We know and these are tragic situations, but a young woman is not often capable of standing up against her coach or her uh, elder, if you will, abuser. Um, And this is where parents also need to know about this particular aspect of the amendment. It also doesn't just mean abortion. Uh, The the whole uh, word or term reproductive freedom, reproductive decision could be trans gender, you know, trans drugs, transitioning drugs, surgery uh, for that. So it could be a, a wider range even of of uh, actions that minors could get without parental involvement. All right. The next thing that I want to ask you about is this issue of health and safety of the mother. Uh, The amendment title is the right to reproductive freedom with provisions for health and safety. And Sue, I think most people probably think of that in terms of, you know, the, the quote unquote exceptions to abortion laws. You have rape, incest, And then life or health of the mother. And so they're thinking, oh, yeah, well, we want to protect the life and health of the mother. But what about the safety of the mother who is going in for an elective abortion, not in any kind of emergency health situation? What kind of health provisions can be eliminated um, if if a vague amendment goes into the Ohio Constitution? I'm so glad you asked this. I, th- th- this whole thing is, is just shocking in how far it goes. It, it just goes too far. But in this particular question, this is something that really frosts me because what you also can't see, because they even use the words health and safety in the title mm-hmm. as if they care. But what it would actually do is allow abortions to be performed by those who don't even have a medical degree. Uh, women wouldn't be getting any... Um, uh, information about the risks that may be involved or any pre-existing conditions that she may have that might not, you know, they might have to, you know, uh, pay attention to for her health in the long run. Um, I, I have to 
tell you that I am a woman. Um, I am a woman that is saved by grace. But many years ago, I had an abortion. I would have fallen for this hook, line, and sinker, mm-hmm. thinking that they care about my safety, they care about my health, and in fact, it's just the opposite. Ohio has existing laws that, you know, for example, abortion facilities need to be near hospitals or, or at least the doctor doctor doing an abortion has to have admitting privileges at all in case something goes wrong, just like we expect for other medical conditions or other medical surgeries and things in today's medical marketplace. This would undo all of that protection for women. So now, now we would be looking at not even having a doctor do the procedure. It's just so egregious. It's, it's almost hard to believe, but it's true. Well, and just so listeners know, the language in here says the state shall not directly or indirectly burden, burden. or discriminate against either an individual's voluntary exercise of this right or a person or entity that insist, that assists an individual in exercising this right. And we, going back to, let's look at prior examples, there have been lawsuits from Planned Parenthood and the ACLU mm-hmm. and others that have sought to uh, exempt abortion clinics from from laws that apply to any other kind of surgical center in the state. You know, I've been doing this kind of work, uh, looking at all these policies um, for almost 15 years now. And I've spent my that, all of that time um, fighting against the abortion industry wanting to remove any sort of regulations. They don't want any rules or regulations. Things that we expect in today's medical marketplace, uh, that, that the hallway would be wide enough in the facility to get a gurney down the hallway if you would need to. They, they, they fight it all. Telling women if they had certain kidney issues, they shouldn't take the chemical abortion pills. I mean, it's just stuff that we expect from a doctor or from today's medical, you know, marketplace. But all of this they try to not have to abide by. Um, it, it Think, if you can, think industry. Um, remember during cigarettes and, you know, we the whole thing when we realized that the cigarette industry was actually at fault. They didn't want to have to play by the rules. That sort of thing is, ha- this is, this is what that is. This is that industry coming into all Ohio and trying to uh, basically line their pockets is what they're really trying to do. So you've heard the old saying, follow the money. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, that that is true. They, they're really throwing women under the bus by taking away those health and safety regulations. The big clue would be for uh, any voter is putting this in the Constitution. Yeah. You, if, if you do so, you have just removed your ability to vote for elected officials or people who can um, keep those health and safety standards in place. We've been talking to Sue Liebel from the Susan B. Anthony list, which you can find linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. And again, encourage folks to go over to sacredheartradio.com and click on the issue one button where you can get a whole lot more information to help you in your conversations about what this amendment will actually do and sue really appreciate your time and your explanations this morning thank you so much thank you i'd like to um if it's not on your website there is a um a paper that takes the uh 
the ballot, the question, and then uh, it explains what this actually means, what that would mean. What the, and if you went to protectwomenohio.com yes. and click on issue one, it has a marked up paper that shows the truth of what those words mean. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Sue. We do have that up on our site as well, but uh, most of... Well, a good amount of our information through for issue one coming from a the Catholic Conference of Ohio and the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, where the Sunrise Morning Show is based, as well as protectwomenohio.com. And since we're on here nationally, um, I want to ask all of you who are not Ohio residents. Well, I want to ask the Ohio residents as well um, to please pray for Ohio tomorrow and i hope you will join with me right now in praying to the guardian angels i was thinking about this over the weekend that um our guardian angels are the ones who who prick our consciences right are the ones that are are speaking to us are there with us at all times and so um i ask you to join me um, in your car, at your house, wherever you happen to be right now, um, and praying the guardian angel prayer for all of the guardian angels, praying to all of the guardian angels of voters in Ohio that uh, they make the right decision tomorrow on issue one. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love entrusts me here, ever this day be at my side, to light, to guard, to rule, to guide. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We'll pray that again tomorrow. And maybe next hour as well. It's 11 till. We're back right after this. I have been a school sister of Notre Dame for 72 years. Most senior Catholic sisters, brothers, and religious order priests served for years with little pay. I always taught the primary grades, and I loved it. Today, hundreds of religious communities lack retirement funds. Your gift to the Retirement Fund for Religious helps provide medications and care. Please give to those who have given a lifetime. Thank you, and God bless you a hundredfold. Donate at your local parish. Support is from Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem, a Christmas musical film for the whole family. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. You are in danger, Mary. This child... What is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem, starring Fiona Palomo, Milo Mannheim, Lecrae, Joel Smallbone, and Antonio Banderas. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Be in theaters everywhere this Friday. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. This is Mike Aquilino with a few words about St. Irenaeus. It's only recently that Pope Francis has declared him to be a doctor of the church. And this is unusual because he's been dead for many centuries, almost two millennia. But I think he's a man for our time because he's teaching us to think, to have an educated faith, to know the reasons for what we believe and then present those to a skeptical world. 
on the next More to Life Power Struggle. Feeling stuck? We'll help you reclaim your power through God's grace. That's later today on More to Life. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Nine minutes before the hour, here's Anna with headlines. Secretary of State Antony Blinken made a pair of unannounced visits to the Middle East yesterday, first to meet with Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas, and then later to Iraq. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis said the wars in the Middle East, Ukraine, and around the world are killing the future of children. And the Holy Father on Friday celebrated Mass for the repose of the soul of Pope Benedict XVI of happy memory and all the cardinals and bishops of the church who have died in the past year. News top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Tonight on The Journey Home, Luane McNeil, who was a guest last week oh, on yeah. The Sunrise Morning Show, nice. former Church of Christ minister, uh, is going to share his journey to the Catholic faith. It is, uh, as we were going through, like this is like, this is like a classic, like a Protestant pastor becoming Catholic kind of story. He's just got he hits like all the all the major notes of it. You should hmm. definitely check on it. He's, he's a he's a fun storyteller too. That's awesome. So That's awesome. Check that out. All right. So Anna Mitchell, I want to tap into your practical expertise. Okay. So uh, Father Cassidy Stinson on Twitter. Oh, um, yeah. Over the weekend at Happy, the Happy Priest. Priest. Yeah. Right. Uh, says. In a singularly on-brand moment for my parish, neighborhood potlucks have been temporarily postponed due to how many people are having babies. Uh, mean, meaning that his parish, so many people are busy, like, taking care of, like, babies and stuff that they can't, like, just, you know, do potluck. Which led me to the memory of a segment that our own Rita Heikenfeld does from time to time, which is practical and smart ways to help... Um, families who had new babies by bringing them food now i uh you know my first thought was just take the same casserole you would have brought to the potluck and take it to whatever family had the baby Mm -hmm. um but rita has three tips and i want to know if you've got any more okay but these are the three main tips rita has for if somebody you know in your family or your parish uh and this counts if they have a baby but also counts if like somebody's sick right and Mm -hmm. uh or you know had a surgery you know knee replacement whatever it is so tip number one, Rita usually says, bring it all ready-made and in disposable containers. That includes the food itself, like a pan of lasagna, make it to where they can throw out the pan. You don't yeah. want somebody to have to wash it and return it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's or put it in a container that you don't care about. Or that you don't care about ever seeing again. Yeah. Uh, but you also don't want them to have to wash it. So you got Well, that. I mean, yes, but... I mean, if, unless you got like a really cool. It's like, the re. The... It's the returning part that's hard. Yeah, if you bring rolls and bring them in like a basket, that is, it's clear that you want them to keep because the basket itself is also a gift mm-hmm. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. All right. Uh, two, she says, get ask about deal breaker foods in advance, and that's not just necessarily food allergies. There may be somebody who's like feeling very weird after mm-hmm. or during like the baby having process, mm-hmm. and so like they may just like right now like. I don't want anything with garlic in it, or yeah. I want stuff with lots of garlic in it. You just ask right. about that stuff in advance. Right, right, right. Number three is the most important, though, and that is drop it off and don't hang out for, like, three hours catching up. <laughs> drop it off and leave. <laughs> drop it um, off and do not linger, I unless would... they ask you to stay and hang out. Yeah, I was going to say, don't, like, I don't know. There were... It's different if you're helping somebody with a knee replacement than if you've got somebody who's exhausted because they've been up all night with a baby and they don't have, like, the energy to be social right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of depends on the day. 
quite honestly. I mean, there were some days where it was, I was grateful that the person couldn't stay very long and, you know, just needed to go. But there were other days where it was like, these are good friends that I haven't seen in a long time. And I am so happy to see you and please come hold my baby. Well, play it by ear. Yeah, is, play it by but the, ear. But is default the best way. to don't just like take up space in somebody's house when they're exhausted, unless it's clear that they want you to hang around. Actually, honestly, I think the best gauge of this would be how straightened up does the house look, That's and that will good. give you an indicator as to whether or not. This person is prepared to have you. You know what an easy body language is? It's like, hey, you want me to drop this off in the kitchen? No, I'll take it in the kitchen. Don't worry about it. I'll take it in there. Because they don't want you to see the kitchen. Yeah, exactly. Because the kitchen's Just bad. Be the kitchen's aware, very bad. Be aware of like a heightened awareness of social cues from somebody who, you know, obviously doesn't want to like kick you out because you're being so super nice. And they are so super grateful for it. But if they make little comments like that, like, take that as a cue. Yeah. You need a, a heightened awareness of that. There you go. Yeah. It's, an, it's a very exciting time. Because I have to say, with Agnes. But also very exhausting. I actually wasn't all that exhausted and managed well, to get the like, house cleaned up and was, like, like ready babies for in at that point. Well, yeah, I know. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's sort of, that's why you have to gauge it. It's different for rookies. Exactly. We're back with another full hour right after this. It's 3 Till. Sacred Heart Radio is your local Catholic station and your source for news from the Catholic perspective. SacredHeartRadio.com is where you can find and share information on issues facing Ohio in November that are so important to the pro-life community. And that's not to mention our commitment to prayer. At SacredHeartRadio.com, you'll find resources and events to help you pray for a culture of life. So please visit SacredHeartRadio.com, your local source for pro-life information and prayer. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppy to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Hi, this is John Kennedy, a State Farm agent and a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. If you need life insurance, I can help process the best options for you and your family. You can reach me at 859-485-2000 or online at JohnKennedyInsurance.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Diamond and CBN are the most advanced cutting tools because they are the hardest materials known. These enable you to machine three to eight times faster compared to carbide while reducing downtime for tool changes by 90%. Improve your productivity when machining hard, cast, and powdered metals or difficult-to-machine materials. Find out more at TheAbrasiveOne.com. That's the number one, TheAbrasiveOne.com. Hi, I'm Patrick Cagney with Cagney Family Real Estate, Coldwell Banker. Proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. My father, Guy, sister, Mar, and I have more than 60 years of real estate experience to help you with the most important buying and selling decisions. 
513-319-7312. The Catholic Church teaches the importance of a respectful Christian burial for the body, which was a temple of the Holy Spirit here on earth. This includes cremated remains, which is the body in a different form. The prayerful, peaceful atmosphere of the consecrated grounds of Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery reflect respect for those laid to rest there and for their loved ones. Be prepared and give the gift of peace of mind to your family. Call 513-489-0300 or visit gateofheaven.org. I'm Father Ronald Happ from Our Lady of Divine Providence Family of Parishes. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Monday, the 6th of November. Let's begin together by praying in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, a prayer for our priests. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the gift of our priests. Through them, we experience your presence in the sacraments. Help our priests to be strong in their vocation. Set their souls on fire with love for your people. Grant them the wisdom, understanding, and strength they need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Inspire them with the vision of your kingdom. Give them the words they need to spread the gospel. Allow them to experience joy in their ministry. Help them to become instruments of your divine grace. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our eternal high priest. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to begin a Monday morning. Some of you have been with us already for the first hour. We're in hour number two, and uh, we got lots to get to on a Monday morning. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. We'll talk to Teresa Tamio from EWTN and Ave Maria Radio's Catholic Connection. We'll also talk to Brendan Hodge from The Pillar, uh, looking more at synodality and evangelization in South America. And, uh, of course, all the regions had their sort of continental uh, presentations and uh, surveys that were part of this first round of synodal discussions. Father Patrick Briscoe will talk about Charles Bar- Borromeo and fatherhood. We celebrated the Feast of St. Charles over the weekend. And then Stephanie Mann has more stories of English martyrs and confessors to share this morning. So stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news, a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Good morning. Secretary of State Antony Blinken made a pair of unannounced visits in the Middle East yesterday. First, Blinken met with Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas during a surprise stop in the occupied West Bank. Later, he traveled to Iraq on the third day of his tour of the region as the war between Israel and Hamas rages. Speaking in Baghdad, Blinken said he believes progress is being made as the U.S works to keep the conflict from spreading. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis said the wars in the Middle East, Ukraine, and around the world are killing the future of children. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports. The Pope invited everyone to think about the children involved in the war as well as those in Ukraine and other conflicts. 
He implored parties in the Holy Land War to cease fire in the name of God. The Pope expressed his hopes that every possible avenue is pursued to absolutely avoid an escalation of the conflict, to provide humanitarian assistance to the wounded, and to deliver aid to the population of Gaza, where he said the humanitarian situation is extremely dire. He also called for the release of the over 200 Israeli hostages who were taken during Hamas's deadly incursion on October 7th. I'm Devin Watkins. Ukraine's ambassador to the United States says the Israel-Hamas war is diverting attention from Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Speaking on CBS's Face the Nation, Oksana Markarova talked about how Russia is helping Hamas while receiving help from Iran and North Korea. Markarova said Ukraine is running low on some of its ammunition and is looking to the U.S. Congress to continue to send military aid. She added she was glad to hear House Speaker Mike Johnson say Russian President Vladimir Putin cannot be allowed to win and she would be happy to meet with Johnson. A federal appeals court is temporarily freezing the limited gag order against former President Trump in his election interference case. Brian Shook reports. A three-judge panel at the USDC Circuit Court of Appeals said the pause was taking place in order for them to have more time to consider a request from Trump to pause the order while an appeal plays out. This comes as the judge presiding over Trump's civil fraud trial is expanding a partial gag order to include the former president's lawyers. I'm Brian Shook. The 2024 presidential election, meanwhile, is exactly one year away. And new polling done by the New York Times and Siena College shows former President Trump holding an edge over President Biden across five key swing states in hypothetical matchups. Trump holds an edge in Nevada, Georgia, Arizona, Pennsylvania and Michigan, with Biden only holding a two percentage point lead in Wisconsin. Biden and Trump are currently the overwhelming favorites for the nomination for each of their parties. Meanwhile, the off-year election takes place tomorrow, and all pro-life eyes are on Ohio, where a proposed constitutional amendment to enshrine abortion in the state constitution is on the ballot. Pope Francis celebrated Mass Friday for the repose of Pope Benedict XVI of happy memory and all the cardinals and bishops of the church who have died in the past year. In his homily, the Holy Father said, quote, let us ask God to grant us a compassionate gaze and a humble heart. May we never tire of asking this, for it is on the path of compassion and humility that the Lord gives us his life, which triumphs over death. He said, let us pray for our beloved deceased brethren. Their hearts were pastoral, compassionate, and humble, for the Lord was the center of their lives. In him may they find eternal peace, end quote. And the NFL commissioner is getting honest about potential international expansion. Trey Thomas has more. Roger Goodell spoke before the Kansas City Chiefs-Miami Dolphins game in Frankfurt, Germany Sunday and was asked if the league will expand next year. But we now have so many markets that are really interested in hosting this game and, and really are ready for this game. So we're actually looking to expand it uh, next year. We will expand it next year uh, to at least one additional market. The commissioner also says it's possible two new sites for regular season games could arrive as soon as next season. I'm Trey Thomas. Matt, your thoughts? 
Oh, I just missed that. Sorry. Paul and I were talking about about how Teresa's on a bus. Oh. Well, that's but, neat. Well, let's get to Teresa then. Well, what were, what were you it saying? It was about was... potential international expansion of NFL games. Oh, yeah. There will we be at least that. one more next year, I guess. Oh, we sent in a in a team over there to be a home team or like just more games over no overseas? i think i think more games over in europe oh yeah i mean like all you got to do is think well the people in germany do they have panthers jerseys yet not really we should send the panthers over there so we can sell a lot of panthers jer- jerseys to the germans mm-hmm. there that's you have the it. Uh, yeah as the, but as Ogden Nash once said, if you're ever called by a panther, if you ever get a knock on the door from a panther, don't answer. Don't answer. Don't answer. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Teresa Tamio from Ave Maria Radio and EWTN's Catholic Connection. Teresa, good morning. Hey, buongiorno. How are you? I'm doing well. Paul tells me that you're uh, you're you're traveling. At least when he spoke to me uh, at the beginning of this segment, before we got you on, I think you were on a bus. Are you still on a bus? Yeah, we just we just got off the bus and we're walking through the beautiful little little commune of Greccio, which is a place where St. Francis established the first crutch. We're on our way to Pranzo right now, so we're walking to the restaurant and afterwards we're going to go to the sanctuary. Oh, very cool. So, uh, if you could, uh, you know. When you get off the bus, like for people to to try and get this virtual pilgrimage thing, like where is St. Francis in relation to where you are? Okay, well, CC is about um, an hour north of us, so we are in um, south central Umbria right now. So Umbria is the central of Italy; it's a region, and it's home to obviously Assisi and Orvieto and other places. But Greccio is a place where he chose to establish the first crush scene, and so they have a sanctuary there. So we're going to be going there after after lunch. So that's we're kind of I would say central southern Umbria, and then if you look at the boot of Italy, it's like right smack in the middle. Oh well, very cool. That's good to know. That 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 helps. And you know the crush thing. What so it kind cool... of gives you a visual of where we are. Yeah. yeah. What what a, what a cool thing because you know as I was looking at the calendar and and sort of like sweating a little bit. I mean we're less than a month from. I mean Advent starts Sunday December third. So uh, yeah. not a bad time to go. I'm sure that there's some people who are looking ahead and thinking, ah, I might need to throw this in my Advent bag uh, in a gift shop. Well, you know what's interesting about today? We have Mass every day on the pilgrimage, and today we're doing a Christmas Mass at the end of the day, and our priest is going to have the special Christmas prayers. And Greccio has the actual cave where St. Francis placed the first crest scene, and then there's actually an active Catholic church there, so we're going to have Mass, and we're getting a tour with the guide, and there's a mini monastery where the uh, where the monks stayed from time to time. But what's so interesting about this, Matt, is we came up the hill, and I mean up the hill in this very comfortable bus that we were traveling all over Italy in, and if you think of St. Francis walking from CC, which, as I said, is an hour drive from here, and then on foot went all the way up the mountain. So you think about how he traveled versus how the pilgrims traveled today. But what's neat about this stop is that because it's so much off the beaten path, a lot of tour companies will not take people here. But what Dominic and I try to do with our tours is to really get people to know the saints even more intimately and closely. So we take them to very much off the beaten path places, in addition to the Ordovietos and the Assisis. But these kind of places... These sanctuaries up in the mountains, just so gorgeous. The colors are changing, and it's just so pretty here in Umbria anyway. 
but gives you the sense of the life of the saint way, way, way back centuries ago. So that's why we try to do really different things on our trips. Well, it's such a cool thing, too, to be able to go where, where those first creches were, were put together, uh, where St. Francis really kind of came up with that idea of really trying to get into the scene of the Holy Family, what must it have been like, and, and, and putting those figures together to sort of recreate it and meditate upon it. You know, it's funny. I mean, we're coming on, up on the first, uh, the, the the one part of the year where all my Protestant friends put Virgin Mary statues in their yard, right? I mean, this is... Uh, <laughs> Right. It's a it's a pretty cool thing, but it's also like it's kind of a mind blowing thing, Teresa, to think back that I mean Saint Francis is, uh, you know, uh, several hundred. I mean, like over a thousand years right. into the life of the church, and nobody's made one of these, or like it's not like a thing yet. It's wild to me that it's yeah. it's not until Saint yeah. Francis that this really becomes a thing. Well, what's really cool this year, too, and, and I'm going to be reading this article on the bus to the Pilgrims after lunch, is that I don't know if you saw the article on Catholic News Agency last week, but the Pope has decided that the uh, Vatican Nativity set or the scene in St. Peter's, and, and I think there's going to be one in Pope, in Pope Paul VI Hall also, is going to be very similar to the first crush scene that Francis established here in Greccio. Oh, that's, that'll be cool. I, I don't think I even yeah. know what the first one looked like. Well, he did use live animals, so I don't think he'll be using the live animals in St. Peter's, but it was a very natural setting, so very similar to the Holy Land, because that's where he got the idea. He came back and said he realized that a lot of people weren't going to be able to go to the Holy Land on their own, you know, several centuries ago. So that's why he established the first question here in beautiful Gretzschild. Did Rosie ever make you be a part in, like, a, a live nativity? Were you ever, no, like, a, we didn't an really angel have, we, or no. anything like that? No, because I, I wouldn't stop talking, so that was my problem. So, <laughs> there was no so silent night with Teresa in the nativity. No silent night. No, that wouldn't have worked out too well. Oh, well, you know, I'd be interested to know. I mean, there if you're going to be doing any kind of a live nativity, this is the time that you're going to plan it. I know that a lot of rural areas do it, but I also know that in Cincinnati, the Franciscans, you know, in various years, I don't know if they still do it. And I never know who's going to be doing it which year and what year and, you know, like because COVID has kind of twisted things around. But I would love to know who's doing live nativities out there, and they should get in contact with you and your show and us and ours and, and, and send pictures when those things get cranked up because those are, those are well, they, so they much do, fun to me. Yeah, they do them all over Italy. They do live nativities all over Italy still in this day and age. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. Do they, they, they do camels because that's the one thing that's really hard to get. No, not in Italy. They do the cows, though, and they do the donkeys. Okay. The ox and ass. We got that. And the sheep, right? sheep are everywhere. And all that. Sheep, well, cool. sheep are everywhere. That's easy. Very good. Well, what's for lunch? Do we know yet? Um, yes, we got the menu. So we're having a pasta with either a uh, mushroom sauce or a ragu. And then we're having locally grilled sausage, insalata mista, mixed salad, and tiramisu. Well, that sounds pretty good. Uh, I know it's breakfast around here, but I would eat that. I would totally eat that. Oh, you would. It's delicious. And you know what? The restaurant we're going to is owned by a local family. So it's all homemade pasta and homemade meat. I love it. Well, very good. Well, you, ten, you tell if, the pilgrims we say hello. And uh, if you Will see do. any of those animals around, you tell them I say hello as well. Okay. Ciao, ciao. All right. Teresa Tamio running through Italy. You can hear, like, her shuffling through the crowd. That's, uh, that's Nat's sound. Her whole, like, she, like, travels. It's not with a live nativity, but it is, uh, it is a menagerie of sorts. We're back with headlines right after this. It's 14 past. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? 
Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. You know, we talk story with each of our very unique guests for the whole hour so that you can go deep with us as you yourself pursue your own story of heroic virtue and as you pursue intimacy with God. The Bear Wozniak Adventure, Saturday night, 6 Eastern on EWTN Radio. So Teresa was making me want Italian food. Bear Wozniak's now making me want some barbecue. Nice. These are not traditional breakfast foods, but I'm I'm in well, the Well, we aren't a traditional radio Anything can show. be breakfast if you put a fried egg on top of it. It's 17 past. Here's Anna with headlines. The Secretary of State Antony Blinken made a pair of unannounced visits in the Middle East yesterday. One to the occupied West Bank and the other to Iraq. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis said the wars in the Middle East, Ukraine, and around the world are killing the future of children. And the Bishop of Brooklyn has disciplined the pastor who allowed a provocative pop music video to be filmed in his church. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell, as you know, uh, the Sunrise Morning Show is your source for everything you need to start your day a better way, mm-hmm. including news, weather, sports, and more. And uh, so I've got sports. You want okay. some sports? Yeah, please. Uh, and bear in mind that this is the kind of thing we mean by sports. Uh, so I was watching some sports on Saturday. Mm-hmm. The uh, the The afternoon games were wrapping up, and it was getting ready to be into the night games. But there was like a little gap where it's just post game shows, and uh, the, the the seven p.m. or eight p.m. games hadn't started yet. Mm-hmm. So I switched over, uh, caught a little bit of the of the Xfinity Championship Series. The what? Uh, it's NASCAR. Oh, NASCAR event. Okay. Paul Lockman knows what it is, although he sure. doesn't usually report on it very okay. much. So they were doing the. It, it, I mean, I don't know if you know how NASCAR races start. There's, like, this whole kind of litany of stuff that, that happens. You know, sometimes they have, like, flyovers. They have the, you know, driver start your engine stuff. And, you know, God Bless America and National. I can't even remember which songs they sing. Mm-hmm. But uh, they had an invocation, an opening prayer. And since this was in Arizona, 
they had a priest from the Diocese of Phoenix. Oh, cool. Do the opening prayer. Nice. And he uh, he did it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he said those, he said the the full text of the sign of the cross in the uh, into the microphone, and then nice. ended it by saying through Christ our Lord into the microphone. I was like, wow, nice. good job. That, nice. That's pretty cool. Did what he bless cool the cars? Did he have holy water? I didn't see any of that. Oh, okay. But, Anna Mitchell, it was a very relatable moment mm-hmm. for me to watch this because if you had to guess the prevailing religion of NASCAR, what would you guess? Oh, evangelical. Yeah, Protestant, very Protestant. Yeah, very Protestant. So it was very amusing as they they opened the shot on him and then panned through the crowd and, like, the, you know, the pits and the... All these other things. Did anybody make? The sign like of the literally, cross nobody does see? the sign of the cross with him. Like Why nobody is, does the sign of the cross. Can with you? Him. I know we only have a minute before we have I to get a break. I should probably go back and watch you, the tape. Can you explain this? Like, what is the aversion to the sign of the cross in Protestant well, circles? In this case, it would not be like, well, I'm not doing the sign of the cross. Sure, maybe like. It'd be much more like, what's the sign of the cross? Well, yeah, right? and that's what I mean. I don't know I mean. how to do it. Like, why? where do I start? Do I start at the top? Do I go left, right, right? But can you explain to me why that is? Why is it that it's they just don't not a thing. make the sign of the cross? It's just not a thing. Every, I'd really like to know Everything is prayed in Jesus' name, right? Because eventually, at some point, it was rejected. It must have been by someone along the way, and I would love to know what the reasoning behind that rejection I, I can was. tell you one reason that might come up is the idea of going through the motions of your Christian faith or seeing people treated as though it were superstitious and being well, like, well, like, we're going to When you want to bless away. somebody, I, you know, Listen, all of the Protestants I know would put their hand on my head. Yes. Let's just say lots of things get thrown out in the bathwater. I guess. Sacred Heart Radio family, asking you to give us $75 a month is a lot to ask. But the fact is, it costs $150 every hour of the day for us to operate. Now, with underwriting paying for half of that, if it's possible to give $75 a month, thank you. But we're grateful for whatever you're able to donate. And to do that, or find out more about underwriting, visit sacredheartradio.com. And to get even more listeners, tell everyone about Sacred Heart Radio and the Sacred Heart Radio app. Hi, I'm Guy Cagney with the Cagney family and Coble Banker Real Estate, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Our Catholic faith is the center of our family life and how we do our real estate business. Hope that you and your family will remain safe and healthy this year. 513-347-1888. St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, understands the importance of a helping hand when life becomes difficult. Through the grace of God and the amazing generosity of volunteers and donors, St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, has been able to provide over $200,000 in rent and utility assistance to nearly 2,000 neighbors in need in the last 12 weeks alone. The prayer is to continue to faithfully serve those in need well into the future. To learn how you can help, visit svdpnky.org and follow along on social media. Current events remind us that life can change without warning. The team at Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery is available to assist you in planning for the inevitable. The Catholic Church teaches the importance of a respectful Christian burial for the body, which was a temple of the Holy Spirit. 
This includes cremated remains. Give the gift of peace of mind to your family and be assured that your faithful intentions are secured. Call 513-489-0300 or visit gateofheaven.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us on a Monday morning. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Brendan Hodge. He's Darwin from the Darwin Catholic blog. He's author of If You Can Get It, a novel from Ignatius Press and a contributing editor to The Pillar. Good morning, Brendan. Good morning. It's great to be on with you. It is great to have you back. And you've got a piece coming out for the pillar looking into uh, some comments that Cardinal Christophe Pierre, the Apostolic Nuncio to the United States, uh, made in a recent interview with America Magazine. Can you, first of all, uh, just let us know what he had to say that got you uh, thinking about what we're going to be talking about today? Yes, Cardinal Pierre was giving an interview where a lot of what he was talking about was the recently concluded first session of the Synod on Synodality. And he said that one of the things that had surprised him becoming nuncio to the United States was that he felt that uh, many of the bishops, whether they were seen as liberal or conservative, did not realize that synodality was a South American process and that it, it had been working strongly in the South American church since 2007. Um, and he said that he felt that the thing that the U.S. bishops struggled with was that there were a lot of Catholic institutions in the U.S., beautiful churches, hospitals, etc., but that no one came to church anymore, and that uh, he and Pope Francis were encouraging the U.S. bishops to go out of the churches in order to meet the people, just as the bishops had done in South America, in order to evangelize, because he said the main purpose of um, synodality is evangelization. So I got curious uh, if this is a big push for evangelization in South and Central America, uh, what sort of effects are we seeing? Because there was a big meeting of the Central American Bishops Association in 2007, which was when um, Bishop Pierre, uh, Cardinal Pierre became a uh, nuncio to Mexico before he was a nuncio to the U.S. And that's kind of where he described there being this kickoff of synodality. So I was curious, were there effects that we could actually see in the South and Central American church? Yeah, interesting. So, of course, uh, with the caveat that numbers and data don't necessarily tell the whole story, it can still be a, a pretty good indicator, or at least something that we should be keeping in mind. So tell us about the numbers that you looked at. So the numbers that I looked at are uh, the Vatican puts out a uh, fact book each year with statistics about the church around the world, um, and that includes uh, the numbers of Catholics in each country uh, and the total population. So you can look at the percent of the population who are Catholic, and it also shows the numbers of marriages and baptisms. Uh, of course, the church recognizes that if someone is baptized into the church, they remain Catholic throughout their lives, even if they, they start attending a Protestant church or stop attending at all. So uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, the percent Catholic for these countries was moderately stable. Uh, the biggest change was in Brazil, 
Uh, so Brazil, back in 1980, uh, 90% of the Brazilian population was uh, Catholic. Uh, in 2019, that was down to 84%, so it had dropped 6%. Uh, but for uh, Mexico, it had gone from 93 to 91. For Argentina, from 93 to 92. And for all of Central and South America, it had dropped from 89% to 86% Catholic. So moderately stable, a bit of a decline. And for comparison, the U.S. had been at 22 to 23% Catholic in that same statistics book the entire time. Okay. Um, well, why don't you tell us about baptisms? Yeah, so I thought if we want to get a sense for whether people are really continuing to practice their faith, one really good thing to look at is baptisms, because even people who are not very actively practicing Catholic, if they're still Catholic at all, they tend to bring their children to be baptized in the Church. So I took a look at the number of baptisms there were for each thousand Catholics in um, Central and South America. And for the area as a whole, um, from 1980 to 2007, the number declined by 44%. So it went from 26 baptisms per thousand Catholics to 15. And then from that 2007 point, uh, which Cardinal Pierre described as kind of the start of synodality in South and Central America, uh, baptisms per thousand Catholic dropped another 33%, so from 44.8 to 9.9%, uh, 9.9 uh, baptisms per thousand Catholic, uh, which is actually very similar to the U.S. The U.S. had been at 20 back in uh, 1980. It dropped to 15%, same as South America in 2007, and then it dropped to nine baptisms per thousand Catholic in 2019. So we're seeing with baptisms a pretty significant decline, and it's, it's even more stark possibly with marriages. Uh, for the U.S., there were seven marriages per thousand Catholics in the Church back in 1980. That dropped to 2.8 in 2007 and to 1.8 in 2019. Wow. For South America, it was five per thousand Catholics, so actually less than the U.S. in, in 1980, dropped to 2.1 in 2007 and uh, two. Uh, uh, 2.1 in uh, 2019. So there are actually significantly fewer Catholics getting married in the church in South and Central America than there are in the U.S. Wow. Um, none of this really gives me gives me much joy, Brendan. Um, we're running out of time here, so maybe we'll um, maybe we'll revisit this the next time we get together. But just overall, what do you think these data points kind of indicate? Well, overall, it, it looks like actually practice of the church in um, South and Central America has been dropping quite a bit. Uh, and what we see actually is that Protestants in those countries go to church a lot more than Catholics do, and that a lot of Catholics have been becoming Protestants. Hmm. Well, that tells you something about, well, I mean, maybe synodality doesn't matter. <laughs> Whether you're doing synodality or not, it seems like we've been seeing a lot of declines. So maybe there's a, a different solution that needs to be found here. We've been talking to Brendan Hodge, and you can find the pillar linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Brendan, thank you. Thank you. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Secretary of State Antony Blinken made a pair of unannounced visits in the Middle East yesterday. First, he met with Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas during a surprise stop in the occupied West Bank. Later, he traveled to Iraq on the third day of his tour of the region as the war rages between Israel and Hamas. Speaking in Baghdad, Blinken said 
He believes progress is being made as the U.S. works to keep the conflict from spreading around the region. Pope Francis has said the wars in the Middle East and Ukraine are killing the future of children. During his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father again appealed for a ceasefire by Israeli forces in Gaza and for Hamas to release the 200 Israelis it's holding hostage. During his prayer, he asked the faithful to think about all the children involved in the war in Israel and Gaza, as well as in Ukraine and other conflicts around the world. During his Angelus Address Catechesis, the Holy Father reflected on the Sunday Gospel, saying, May we be credible witnesses of the Gospel. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. Pope Francis focused on two dimensions to the Sunday Gospel reading that recounts when Jesus spoke about the duplicity in religious leaders of the time who preach but do not practice and do all their deeds to be seen by others. This gap between saying and doing and the emphasis on the exterior over the interior are aspects we need to look at in our own lives also. He said we need to be on guard against this duplicity of heart that puts at risk the authenticity of our witness and our credibility as persons and as Christians. And given our own weaknesses, practicing what we preach is not always easy, the Pope acknowledged. And this is especially true when we hold a role of responsibility in life, the society, or the church. He said, what you say, what you preach to others, be committed to living it first yourself. And to be teachers who are respected, he added, we first need to be credible witnesses, as St. Paul VI reminded us. The second aspect follows as a consequence, the Pope said, the focus overly on the exterior instead of the interior. Many people seek to appear righteous to save face by manifesting a beautiful exterior to hide the filth inside. And he said this is an awful sickness, especially for us Christians, when the exterior prevails over the interior. In conclusion, the Pope urged Christians to ask ourselves several questions about our own attitudes. Do we try to practice what we preach, or do we live duplicitously? Are we concerned only about showing how impeccable we are on the outside, or do we also cultivate our interior life in sincerity of heart? I'm Thaddeus Jones. Also, during his Angelus address, Pope Francis asked for prayers for the people of Nepal. Rescue efforts continue around the clock after a major earthquake in Nepal. Thousands of buildings in the country reportedly collapsed in Friday's magnitude 5.7 quake, which left at least 157 people dead and some 250 others injured. Government officials in Kathmandu say they're making immediate um, arrangements for displaced families. One survivor said... They're making a funeral pyre for each victim to be cremated according to Hindu culture and tradition. Pope Francis in the Angelus Address expressed his sorrow for the quake. He said, I am close to the people of Nepal who are suffering due to the earthquake. A federal appeals court is temporarily freezing the limited gag order against former President Trump in his election interference case. Brian Shook reports. A three-judge panel at the USDC Circuit Court of Appeals said the pause was taking place in order for them to have more time to consider a request from Trump to pause the order while an appeal plays out. This comes as the judge presiding over Trump's civil fraud trial is expanding a partial gag order to include the former president's lawyers. I'm Brian Shook. The Bishop of Brooklyn, New York, has disciplined the pastor who allowed a provocative pop music video to be filmed in his parish. 
The Catholic News Agency reports that Bishop Robert Brennan celebrated a mass of reparation this weekend at Annunciation of the Blessed Virgin Mary Church. He has also removed Monsignor Jamie Gigantiello from his position as pastor, as well as from a position he held in the diocese. That's the news. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the hour. Uptown Catholic invites all to a healing service Saturday, November 11th at St. Monica St. George Church in Clifton. Worship begins at 6.30 p.m. and the healing service at 7. For more information, visit sacredheartradio.com slash event. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. During the hottest of weather, Schneller Knockelman will keep you cool with air conditioning repair, installation, and maintenance. Schneller Knockelman. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. Central Fabricators, proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, custom builds and repairs corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. These are used to manufacture liquids used in everyday products like health and beauty aids, pharmaceuticals, and food. Central Fabricators uses the latest in technology and modern equipment to deliver quality products, and big orders are not a problem. Central Fabricators, ASME certified, and on the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Monday, November the 6th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Going to be warm again today. Right now, kind of chilly with temperatures in the lower 40s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, partly cloudy and breezy today with a high of 70 degrees. Mostly cloudy tonight and an overnight low of 58. Mostly cloudy with a slight chance for some rain tomorrow and a high of 68 for Election Day. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, a mix of clouds and sun this morning. Cloudier this afternoon and high around 68 degrees. Cloudy with a slight chance of a light shower tonight and an overnight low of 55 Clouds early, then partial sunshine later tomorrow, and a high of 66 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m. and 910 a.m. Download our app at sacredheartradio.com. It's 37 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Father Patrick Mary Briscoe back with us on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's editor of our Sunday Visitor. Good morning, Father. Hey, good morning, Anna. Thanks for having me on. It is great to have you. And I love this piece that you put up over at our Sunday Visitor on St. Charles Borromeo and fatherhood of course we just marked the feast of saint charles borromeo over the weekend and on sunday had the gospel about calling no man father so uh this is a this is a pretty good piece to discuss this morning tell us a little bit to just start us off a little bit about the life of saint charles borromeo yeah well like you said we just celebrated his feast day which occurs every year on November 4, and for me, it's, it's, it's particularly special. I grew up in St. Charles Parish. Oh, nice. I've been devoted to St. Charles for some time. I, I, really, I really, love, really love the great saint. So one of the things that, that I recently learned, you know, in, in going through a book of St. Charles letters was about this beautiful speech 
that St. Charles gave after returning home from a session of the Council of Trent, he gathered around the bishops from his metropolitan area. So as Archbishop of Milan, he had some oversight of the other bishops of, of uh, the territory that, that belonged to the Archdiocese of Milan. So he's gathered them all around, and he gives them this beautiful conference about enacting the reforms of Trent. And you know what he said to them? You know, we're talking about the 16th century here, right? Uh, he says to them, we must be fathers. We must be fathers. That was St. Charles Borromeo's yeah. action plan coming back to Milan to uh, begin to enact uh, the reforms of Trent. And, I, and I, I just thought that was so compelling, given not only what it tells us about the saint, but about the shape of the church then and how relevant to think also how relevant those words are now. Absolutely. And I'm wondering, what were the... Well, how did he describe fatherhood? How did he describe the the role of the priest as father? The role of the priest as father was clearly the, at the heart of St. Charles Borromeo's life. I mean, uh, when we look at when we look at what his life means, uh, there there are a few virtues that really stand out. I think uh, one of the first is uh, is his humility. Humility, humilitas, was in fact the family motto of the Borromeo family. And so that was the, the word, the motto, the slogan, the Episcopal motto of St. Charles Borromeo that he had not only on his family crest, but also his Episcopal, his Episcopal crest, humilitas. And often, in fact, you see paintings of St. Charles Borromeo doing penance, so walking with a rope around his neck, doing, doing public acts of penance. And, and I think those depictions of the saint are, are, are extremely moving. And that humility was coupled with a dynamic charity. So when when Milan faced a plague, um, an extensive plague which caused famine and a number of other disasters, St. Charles Borromeo spent his family's fortune to feed as many as 60,000 people regularly, wow. uh, bankrupting his family, spending all of his money. Uh, that, so, so great was his charity that the plague became known in Italian history as the Plague of St. Charles. Wow. Not, because, not because he started the plague but because his, his compassion was so evident through it. So, so humility and charity, I would say, are two of the keys here to how St. Charles lived his priestly fatherhood, lived, lived his father's heart as a priest and as a bishop. Well, and so in the time of the Council of Trent, of course, we have the Church finds herself in the midst of, of the Protestant revolt, and so a lot of people turning against the church in a way, and, and clearly the church in need, maybe not in the way that Martin Luther thought, but clearly in need of, of some renewal in that time. And Charles Borromeo, of course, being one of the great reformers and, and renewers in the church in this time, would that, Father, I remember when COVID hit initially and uh, reading a speech from St. Charles Borromeo to the priests, um, to these religious priests that he was trying to rally to remain in the city and to serve the people. I mean, would that we had, we had uh, in, in a plague in our own time, right? I mean, I don't know if you can, I think a lot of people have compared COVID to the plague, um, but would that COVID be named after a priest or a bishop? Yeah, I think there, there's, there's so much that we're still working through. 
from the from the crisis of 2020. And I, I think it's it's both very easy uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's very easy to assess leadership um, on the other side of a crisis. Um, but but I think it's it's quite obvious how how damaging the the, the immediate COVID response was. And Cardinal Dolan has recently written about this um, in the pages of our Sunday Visitor and, and elsewhere. And uh, I think that's a, that's clearly a conversation that we need to continue to have as a church. I'm so thankful for the Eucharistic revival, which I think is the beginnings of that conversation um, about the church's response to COVID. And, and I think it's a conversation we need to continue to have in order to assess our priorities and to make it clear what we as a church are going to do should, uh, please God, let us be spared, but should should something like this befall us in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I guess I bring that up to say that, I mean, look at the extreme charity that he showed that that the people would all recognize or or associate the um to associate the plague with his name i didn't know that about him and that's what i i just mean like this extreme charity not to yeah, you know point out absolutely. any kind of lack of charity on the part of bishops but just how oh, extreme well, that <laughs> well I'll, I'll let you go right ahead and do that. I mean, but I mean, just to say we're we're looking around at the church today, and and we are in the midst of this Eucharistic revival, which so is so desperately needed in the United States and around the world. Why do you think that that fatherhood is is one of the the main keys to renewal in the church today? I think part of it is because fathers. Um, being a father is synonymous with being a leader, and leaders are able to call people to more. So, so like you said, you were looking for looking looking around for the leader who um, who was who was fighting for the faith. I mean, and there are some great examples. I think Archbishop Corleone in San Francisco was was yeah. absolutely heroic in fighting for for public demonstrations of the faith. But I but I think that father there's this question about fatherhood and leadership. That that is uh, that is um, uh, uh, that is aligned. Uh, we're we're looking for leadership, and we're looking for that because the reality is that the only response in the church in times of crisis is holiness. And people will follow fathers, they will follow leaders, and they will follow saints. And that was true in the the Tridentine era, the era of the Tridentine dispensation. It's the time of the Council of Trent, and it's true today. Uh, it's true today. So, the, so the, the answer to the church in the time of crisis is, in fact, the same. Fathers, leaders, and saints. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's what we ought to be looking for as a people, and that's what we ought to be hoping for from, from our bishops and from our priests. You know, Father, uh, I was at Mass yesterday, and the priest, I don't remember who, which servant of God he was talking about, but um, I didn't recognize her name, but she had founded a religious order, and, um, and this priest came to, I guess, say Mass at their convent, and he didn't want to be called Father. He, you know, just call me Bob, you know, whatever. Sure. And, and yeah. she said... Okay. No, Father, we are going to call you Father because you are bringing God the Father present to us here on earth. 
don't you think that that's exactly what we need in this world today? The presence of God the Father, the recognition that God the Father is here on earth through our priests. Yes, absolutely. And as a priest, I've always found the title Father is not an honorific. Um, it's, it, it's a haunting thing, actually, to be called Father, especially as a young man. I joined the order. I was uh, very young. I'm still a very young priest. And that, that title does not mean I have the answers. That title means I have something to live up to. And it, and it squares, when someone calls me Father, it squares our relationship. And it, it, it clarifies what the expectations are for me vis-a-vis that, that person um, who, who's a member of the faithful. And it, and it says that I am supposed to be a priest to them. I'm supposed to be the mediator, the one who, the one who as you say, communicates God and, and represents God and serves in, God, in God's name to them. And so, so I, think, I think the name, I think the title is extremely important um, as far as helping priests to remember our identity and to live, live up to the heights of our own vocation. Absolutely. We've been talking to Father Patrick Briscoe. Go read his piece over at our sundayvisitor.com, which is linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, thank you. Hey, thanks so much for having me on this morning. I hope you have a great week. Thank you. You too, Father. All right, it's 13 till. Stephanie Mann joins us next. I have been a school sister of Notre Dame for 72 years. Most senior Catholic sisters, brothers, and religious order priests serve for years with little pay. I always taught the primary grades, and I loved it. Today, hundreds of religious communities lack retirement funds. Your gift to the Retirement Fund for Religious helps provide medications and care. Please give to those who have given a lifetime. Thank you, and God bless you a hundredfold. Donate at your local parish. Born from the heart of St. Daniel Comboni, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most abandoned people in the world for more than 150 years. The Combonis improve quality of life with resources like food, clean water, and medicine. They provide vital education in schools and spiritually minister through the sacraments, all while preparing local Christian leaders to serve their people now and in the future. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonrisemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. Hi friends, Janet Williams here. Join me every Wednesday on Women of Grace Live as I welcome new age researcher and blogger for Women of Grace, Sue Brinkman. Sue and I will be talking about all the wacky things that could distract you from your faith. Psychics, yoga, Reiki, crystals, acupuncture, Ouija boards, tarot cards, and astral traveling are just a few of the stranger things we discuss. That's why we call it Wacky Wednesday. So join us at 11 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. On the next More to Life, Power Struggle. Feeling stuck? We'll help you reclaim your power through God's grace. That's later today on More to Life. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. We thank you for joining us on this Monday, the 6th of November. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Stephanie Mann. She has a blog called Supremacy and Survival, and it's 
got a title that it shares with a book she wrote called Supremacy and Survival, How Catholics Endured the English Reformation. Stephanie, good morning. Good morning, Matt. All right, so we got a couple of really interesting stories. Yes. Uh, a pair of brothers. Why don't we start with the martyr? Because it's hard to understand the story of the other right. brother without understanding the story of the one who was martyred. So tell us about St. Right. Edmund and his yes. story. St. Edmund, Edmund Jennings is one of the 40 martyrs of England and Wales. And he was a convert to Catholicism when he was about 16 years old. He was serving in a household of a Catholic gentleman. And he became joined the Catholic Church, and then he decided to leave England uh, and study for the priesthood. So he went off to uh, the uh, continent, studied for the priesthood, came back to England when he was about 23 years old as a Catholic priest. And he decided to look up his family. That They lived in uh, Litchfield in uh, Staffordshire. And he went to see how his family was doing, found out most of them were dead. And he had a brother left named John, and John had moved to London. So Edmund, Father Edmund went off to London to try to locate his son, his, his, excuse me, his brother. And this seems to be he had the intention of trying to bring John himself to the Catholic Church. And he met his brother, and he kind of hid his identity and said, do you, have you heard anything about your brother Edmund? Uh, I'm from Litchfield, you know. And uh, John said, yes, I have heard about him. He's a traitor to his country and to God. He's become a Catholic and become a priest and following the Pope, and I want nothing to do with him. So Edmund decided, well, this is not a good time to try to convert my brother to Catholicism. And it, he left him with kind of a, a, a saying that, uh, well, I think Edmund's trying to get in touch with you, so look for a message from him. At least this is the way that Father uh, Bowden tells the story. I've, I've seen some variations of it. So Edmund was then subsequently at one at some time arrested while he was at St. Swithin Wells, a layman's house, saying Mass, and he was arrested, and he was brought to trial and condemned for being a priest and therefore sentenced to death by hanging, drawing, and quartering. And his execution was particularly brutal because Richard Topcliffe was there and he wanted him to really suffer. Yeah, Topcliffe so, was one of those then guys. We he was to, like a notorious uh, priest hunter yes. and torturer, right? Yes. He, he was kind of a, a professional torturer of the Elizabethan era. So Edmund suffered in this terrible way. And then John later heard of it. So uh, we can get to that. It, uh, in just yeah. a moment, but I do think yeah. it's interesting uh, the the way the sort of the the last words of Saint Edmund Jennings uh, at the hands of Topcliffe are really like an interesting insight yes. into this whole process because he was being as he was being butchered the the as it as it uh, is described he cried out Saint Gregory pray for me and the hangman said his heart is in my hand and yet Gregory in his mouth. So that again, that bravery and that spirit and the unity that the uh, those Catholic priests felt with the the Church, even as they suffered uh, martyrdom for for the unity of, of of the Christian Church. So yes, it is. It's a wonderful uh, example again of that fortitude that we so often see among the forty martyrs and the other martyrs. So let's go back and find his brother John, right. who, when last we yes. saw him in this story, had heard his brother was a papist and a priest and said, you know, what a traitor to the crown. So what happens to John after the martyrdom of his brother Edmund? Yes, and, and Father 
Bowden describes it. First, he's he's happy to hear that his brother has been executed because uh, knowing that that he had met his brother, he realized he was going to try to convert me. He was still going to work on me, and now I don't have to hear him and and see him and and uh, feel that burden of of uh, response to him. I don't have to argue with him. And then one day, it, it, in fact, the the terms are that he had been spent a day in sport and jollity. I don't know if he's playing tennis or or rugby or what, but Hunting he realizes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and the foxes, or he wasn't playing football. We know that, but he he said he was weary with play, and he went home, and then all of a sudden he began to realize, I'm wasting my time. My brother didn't waste his time. He was 16 years old. He went off, became a priest, what served God the way he thought he should serve God was was true to his faith as as he found it. He abandoned the worldly pleasures, endured those intolerable torments. And then he thought, and I'm just spending my time having fun. And then realized, all of a sudden, he realized this terrible contrast between their two lives. Uh, he said one was fearing sin, the other spent in self-indulgence and in every kind of vice. And so finally, he wept bitterly, and he besought God to show him the truth. And the words that Father Bowden quotes are, in an instant, joy filled his heart with a tender reverence for the Blessed Virgin and the saints, of whom he had scarcely heard, and he longed to be of his brother's faith and gloried in his eternal happiness. So he left England, went to the Douay, became a Franciscan, and actually became the first provincial of the renewed English province in the later part of the, the uh, 16th century. So he, that whole renewal came because of his brother's fortitude, his brother's example, and it converted him and brought him back to the faith. And what another cool example of how the prayers that we pray for our relatives, the things that we hope, you know, when we see in our lifetime people who we wish were part of our, you know, sacramental life together, it may happen, but we may not even live to see it, (laughs) right? Uh, This is this incredible story of St. Edmund Jennings, whose brother, you know, even for a little while after he died, was not not ready to convert, but then upon reflection ended up being yes. so. Uh, you've got more of this story, including some quotes from Father Bowden's uh, uh, account of it at supremacyandsurvival.blogspot.com. It's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Stephanie, thank you as always. Have a great day. Thank you. God bless All you. Right, Thanks. We'll be back again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home to Faith, where Emily Stimson Chapman will discuss her new children's book, The Supper of the Lamb. Alvin Louie will share ways to develop home cybersecurity for families. I'll reflect on the reality that God will judge our lives with frequent traffic and weather. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Support for Sacred Art Radios from Our Lady of the Holy Spirit Center, presenting the Advent of Christmas in Bethlehem. Bethlehem comes alive and the spirit of the Holy Land is reborn. Sunday, December 3rd is a special day for the children with crafts and activities, St. Nicholas, and live animals. And December 10th, the living interactive town of Bethlehem continues. And this year, it's even bigger than ever. Register at theholyspiritcenter.org. All proceeds benefit the Holy Spirit Center. 
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Honda East. With their exclusive Life Care Plus protection, if something goes wrong with your new Honda, you're covered. Help me, Honda East. Get the car that I want. Online at HondaEastCincy.com. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com, theabrasiveone.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. 513-451-4800 and Hoting.com. Looking for a special gift for a loved one this holiday season? Consider an offering of rest, prayer, and a time for reflection. Give the gift of a weekend retreat at the Jesuit Spiritual Center a time to get away from the busyness of life and embrace God's love and mercy. Call now at 513-248-3500 for more information. That's 513-248-3500, 513-248-3500. Support comes from On a Mission to Love for books, handcrafted gifts for baptism, communion, confirmation, wedding, birthdays, and more, all deeply based in the rosary and devotion to our Holy Mother. On a mission to love.com. That's on a mission to love.com. I am Father Rufino Ezama, the Provincial Superior of the Comboni Missionaries. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Arise, it's a new Continue on this Monday, the 6th of November, in prayer together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach us to do your will, O Lord. At home and at work, open our eyes to the demands of love. In business and pleasure, grant us the wisdom to choose as you would have us choose. In making decisions for the unborn, the aging, the dying, strengthen us to choose life. O Lord our God, you have replanted on our earth the garden lost in Eden. And you have sent a new gardener to till the soil plowed by the wood of the cross. He who is both the farmer and the seed has watered the earth with his life's blood, shed for our redemption. Make us grow in his likeness by the power of his word dwelling in our hearts. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. It is a better way to continue through a Monday, the Sunrise Morning Show. Glad that you're along here on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. Big week for the state of Ohio. And uh, we hope that you are praying with us. We are praying for a culture of life in our state and for God's wisdom and providence to guide us, especially as we head to the ballot box. It is the Sunrise Morning Show up this hour. Uh, We've got lots to get to. We're going to have a great slate of guests, uh, including, among them, Matt Rinkmeyer and Wayne Top in studio. They're going to talk end-of-year giving and stewardship. Uh, Dr. De- Leonard DeLorenzo will talk about more questions from God. Dr. Benjamin Lewis is going to look at uh, some translations involving St. Charles 
Borromeo. He, of course, joins us from the International Commission on English and the Liturgy, and St. Charles's Feast Day was on Saturday. We'll also catch up with Dr. Jim Schrader from the Diocese of Evansville, so stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Secretary of State Antony Blinken made a pair of unannounced visits in the Middle East yesterday. First, Blinken met with Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas during a surprise stop to the occupied West Bank. Later, he traveled to Iraq on the third day of his tour of the region as the war between Israel and Hamas continues to rage. Speaking in Baghdad, Blinken said he believes progress is being made as the U.S. works to keep the conflict from spreading further across the region. Pope Francis, for his part, during his Angelus address yesterday, said wars in the Middle East and Ukraine and elsewhere are killing the future of children. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports. The Pope invited everyone to think about the children involved in the war as well as those in Ukraine and other conflicts. He implored parties in the Holy Land War to cease fire in the name of God. The Pope expressed his hopes that every possible avenue is pursued to absolutely avoid an escalation of the conflict, to provide humanitarian assistance to the wounded, and to deliver aid to the population of Gaza, where he said the humanitarian situation is extremely dire. He also called for the release of the over 200 Israeli hostages who were taken during Hamas's deadly incursion on October 7th. I'm Devin Watkins. Also, during his Angelus address yesterday, the Pope asked for prayers for the people of Nepal. Rescue efforts continue around the clock after a major earthquake in the country. Thousands of buildings in Nepal reportedly collapsed in Friday's magnitude 5.7 quake, which has left at least 157 people dead and some 250 others injured. Government officials in Kathmandu say they are making immediate arrangements for displaced families. Pope Francis, in his Angelus address, expressed sorrow for the deadly quake as he prayed for the people of Nepal. He said, I am close to the people of Nepal who are suffering due to the earthquake. A federal appeals court is temporarily freezing the limited gag order against former President Trump in his election interference case. Brian Shook has more. A three-judge panel at the USDC Circuit Court of Appeals said the pause was taking place in order for them to have more time to consider a request from Trump to pause the order while an appeal plays out. This comes as the judge presiding over Trump's civil fraud trial is expanding a partial gag order to include the former president's lawyers. I'm Brian Shook. The 2024 presidential election is exactly a year away. And new polling done by the New York Times and Siena College shows currently former President Trump holds an edge over President Biden across five key swing states in hypothetical matchups. Trump holds an edge in Nevada, Georgia, Arizona, Pennsylvania and Michigan, with Biden only holding a two percentage point lead in Wisconsin. Biden and Trump are both considered the overwhelming favorites for the nomination for each of their parties at the moment. Meanwhile, the off-year election is tomorrow, and all eyes in the pro-life community are on Ohio, where voters will decide tomorrow on issue one and whether abortion will be enshrined in the Ohio Constitution. In Kentucky, meanwhile, Democratic Governor Andy Bashir is running for a second term against Republican challenger State Attorney General Daniel Cameron. 
in Mississippi. Republican Governor Tate Reeves is seeking re-election. He's facing challenger Brandon Presley, who's vying to be the state's first Democratic governor in two decades. 8.06 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. We got a fun report today. Here's yeah. Paul Lockman. Absolutely, Anna Mitchell. Another uh, victory Monday. So uh, Cincinnati Bengals take care of business on Sunday Night Football. 24-18 to 18 final score. Joe Burrow staying sharp. He was 31 of 44 348 yards uh, passing, two touchdowns. T. Higgins caught eight passes, 110 yards. Drew Sample and Irv Smith Jr. came came away with uh, touchdown receptions. Joe Mixon even found the back of the end zone himself. Cincinnati sits at 5-3. I know it's early. The city looked nice on TV last night, The city looked great. Yeah, everybody uh, sat in their certain section, and it was striped out, so... Look, uh, that isn't even what I was talking about. I meant oh. the actual city. Oh, nice. yeah, yeah. The, the stripes were okay. The I mean, B-roll footage, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of uh, looking great, your Ohio State Buckeyes. Yes, they did. The record looks great. Their win over Rutgers, maybe. Uh, yeah. Could use some polish. It's 35-16 final score. Uh, Bearcats trying to figure out what it feels like to win again. They lost uh, mm. 28-26 to UCF. Ouch. And uh, we can uh, move on from college football to college basketball now. College basketball returns tonight. Ohio State gets their season started against Oakland. Cincinnati will play uh, UIC. And Xavier takes on Robert Morris. Dayton Flyers also in action at home. So one and the other. FC Cincinnati, they're moving on. Yep. They they beat the Red Bulls. So there's there's just so much sports. Pushing through the playoffs. Yeah. It's a, it's just good sports all around. Yeah. You know? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. C.J. Stroud looked great yesterday for the Texans. Scary, scary stuff there. The next team the Bengals play are uh, the Houston Texans. But yeah, oh, that's really? CJ, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Five mm-hmm. touchdowns. I mean, I won't be rooting for him 470-something yards. But no, but no. It's he good, to, good at the end of the game. It's good to, yeah. Rookie keeping his composure, getting down the field in 45 seconds or less. Couldn't believe it. It was impressive. Very, very good. Good I forget who they day. beat, though. Good who did weekend. they beat? Who were they playing? Um, the, uh, uh, was it Tampa? Tampa. Yeah, Tampa, Tampa. Bay. The, yeah, ba- Baker Mayfield. Yeah, Tampa Baker Bay. Mayfield. That's How right. about that? Yeah. So a little bit of a vengeance for your Ohio yes, State Buckeyes yeah. against. CJ wasn't there when he Fair when enough. he pulled that little stunt, but I'm sure he knows about it. Right. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, let's get to uh, traffic on a Monday. Traffic is service of Larkin Cobb, Chevrolet, Buick, and GMC in Eaton, Ohio, on the web at LarkinCobb.com. Tell me something good. Well, we're starting off with an accident, unfortunately. Southbound 75 at Shepherd. It is blocking the right lane currently, and you're usually slow in this area anyway through the Lachlan split, so um, not anything worse at the moment anyway. Not anything worse than you're used to heading southbound on 75 through the Lachlan split. Uh, other slow traffic, bottom of the loop of 275, running slow, going westbound from Dixie Highway over toward Mineola Pike. Also, eastbound 275 at the bottom of the loop, slowing just before Taylor Mill on over through construction till you get toward 471. That's when things start clearing up. Northbound 7175, a little slow from 275 up to the cut in the hill. 
Now, for weather, another warm day today. Partly cloudy skies in Cincinnati with a high of 70 degrees. Mostly cloudy and mild tonight with an overnight low of 58. Mostly cloudy, slight chance for some rain on Election Day tomorrow with a high of 68 degrees. For the Miami Valley, Dayton area, mix of clouds and sun this morning. A little cloudier this afternoon with a high around 68 degrees. Cloudy with a slight chance of a light shower tonight and an overnight low near 55. Clouds early tomorrow, then partial sunshine expected later in the day and a high tomorrow of 66 degrees. Today is Monday, November the 6th. Happy to have you along with us here on the Sunrise Morning Show on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show are Matt Rankmeyer and Wayne Topp from the Stewardship Department for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning, Anna. Good morning. Wayne, when did you change departments? Uh, April. <laughs> April. April. So, yeah, Welcome. this is crazy. I've been with the Archdiocese uh, 16, 17 years, and it's my third department I get to work with. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you know, you, you got different, you just kind of weave your way through. It's good. It's That's good. Right. We're happy to have you here for the uh, stewardship segment. And uh, we're going to be talking about end of year giving, a little bit of theological and and uh, religious reflection mixed in with the practical financial considerations as well. And it all comes together here. So, uh, Wayne, first of all, just reflect on why it is good to give at the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was I was uh, driving in uh, Indiana a couple weeks ago near Clifty Falls and just the the beautiful foliage, uh, you know, the, the the colors of fall, and it, it kind of struck me as I as I was uh, just looking out, uh, what is happening in nature in mm. itself, right? Like it, it's almost like nature itself is calling us to reflection about what it is that we have done with our lives throughout the year. You know, like the this this beautiful display of colors comes at sort of the end of life for these trees during this year as they prepare to kind of go to sleep as it were you know they're shedding their leaves etc just getting ready for these winter months and it and it just called me myself to to think about like what it is you know all of these nutrients all of these things that i have been given throughout this year have i made the best of it have i and 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 at the end of this at the end of this year Am I like putting on that extra display of color that 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 last gift that um, that God is calling uh, of my own life and and of course you know as as the uh, end of the year comes we're we're approaching the holiday season and Thanksgiving and and we are a Eucharistic people you know called to give thanks for all that we've we've been given and so um, and we enter into of course the Christmas season where the greatest gift. Uh, has been given to all of us, and and how it is, how is it that we are called to respond to that? That was a much more positive reflection than I thought you were gonna, where you were going to go here. From <laughs> nature, as things are dying off, I was thinking, well, I can't take my money with me when I die, right. so I should yeah, probably too. start giving. You know, that's straight from Jesus, I think. Um, right. 
That holds. Yeah, it, it holds. It holds. It's just I'll I'll add that in from from my perspective there, Matt. Um, I know you're going to be giving us more of a, a practical take on this. Yes. So uh, when Wayne and I were preparing this, uh, we drew straws, and I got the like practical nice. uh, right. tax yeah. reasons. He got the theological <laughs> ones. Um, but but that is that is a part of it, right? When sure. we think about end of year giving, that there is this practical aspect of it that people are looking at. They're um, preparing for their tax uh, refund, and it's their last chance to perhaps make a gift that that affects that, right? That uh, helps them designate where these monies uh, might go and where they might have benefit, um, and how that affects their ta- their individual tax situation. Absolutely. So, Wayne, tell us about the impact that an end of year gift can make. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of remarkable. Matt and I were, as we were talking about it, we like quickly Googled, uh, you know. How how often and how much is is uh, are, do do our nonprofits actually depend on end of year giving? It's shocking, you know. There's a, a third, almost a third of all giving happens in the month of December. Wow, um, and it's incredible. So you, you know, you back that up another month, and now we're looking at close to forty percent of all giving happens in these last two months. And of course, when forty percent of your income happens in two months, it it it. it you depend on that, right? Yes. You, you, everything that you budget for the coming year is is dependent on these last two months of the year. So that so it's important for the nonprofits, but it's also important for the people who receive the support from those nonprofits, right? The, the, the as as temperatures get colder, you're thinking of people who are homeless and the people who are who are hungry. And those needs only increase as the end of the year happens. So not only do the nonprofits like depend on it for their budget and their regular their income and and how they use that throughout the rest of the year, but the people who need it most need it now. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And of course, this goes back to Matt's practical thing, where everybody's like, "Oh, end of year, look at my taxes now," and mm-hmm. and and take that into consideration and just pray that people will be. I know, having worked for a nonprofit for the past uh, 15 years, how important this time of year is and, and, and how anxious you can get every year about this time of year, like just hoping that everybody can be generous, um, especially post-COVID now. But that's a whole other conversation. So, Matt, um, what would you recommend people consider as they look at the end of the year giving that they're going to be doing? Yeah, absolutely. So there's probably going to be a lot of things headed your way, right? Uh, I hope so so yeah. um, in terms of options to give, but how might we go about thinking about these, right? Because uh, you do a lot of places are going to have a Giving Tuesday push coming up the Tuesday oh, after yeah. Thanksgiving, right? So Thanksgiving. Um, Black Friday, uh, Small, Small Business, Business Saturday, Saturday, Cyber, Cyber Monday, Monday. Yeah. and then Giving, uh, Tuesday. Giving Tuesday. Maybe not in the order we would prefer, but right, like you're probably going to be seeing a lot of different things. So how how much you go about thinking about where I should um, prioritize my giving in end of year, and that's going to be individual for everybody. But he, I just have a couple couple ideas on how you might go about that. Right, number one um, for us as Catholics, uh, how about our parish, right? Yeah. Right there at the top, right? Uh, one of the precepts of the church, right? One of those kind of minimum requirements for us mm-hmm. as Catholics is to provide for the material needs of the church. Um, so am I, am I doing that? Have I done that yet this year? Um, have I met perhaps the goal I have in mind for that? Do I have a goal in mind for that? Maybe now is the time to set that um, if I haven't. The church doesn't 
tell us exactly how much we need to give in terms of a percentage. There's a biblical um, 10%, yeah. precedent for the 10%, but um, the church um, asks us to provide for the material needs. So um, I always put that right there up at the top. Where How am I supporting my parish um, and the, the mission that is happening right there? Uh, next, uh, ministries and apostolates that you're um, passionate about, supporting, right? Um, so what are those things that um, speak to your heart in terms of the ways that you want to make a difference, um, the things that you can support, um, like Sacred Heart Radio? I meant to ask before we came on if you guys have uh, coming up. Oh, yeah, our Advent Pledge Drive will be coming up on the Feast of St. Nicholas, a great day to give. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. The spirit of St. Nicholas right there, right? Uh, so, um, and like I mentioned, a lot of places will probably be doing a Giving Tuesday push mm-hmm. as well. Um, but what are the ones that you're passionate about? Which ones are on your heart? Um, maybe that's something that's recurring, right, that you regularly support. Maybe that's just uh, something special this year. Um, I know a lot of people were thinking about with the the issue one, um, how are we supporting um, women and children, right? So um, the Materfilius and the Heaven's Gain Ministries and the Pregnancy Centers and Elizabeth New Life Centers and Right to Life organizations, right? Um, how are, are, you know, is this, uh, is Lord calling us to do something there? Um, looking beyond those, you know, those, those are kind of the first two circles I always tell people to look at. Looking beyond that, um, there's a couple other options, including the Catholic Ministries Appeal, uh, run by close the Church. Close to your heart. A little yeah. close to my heart, yep. Um, so we uh, that'll be rolling out the end of January and February, but we give our donors the option to make a gift early oh, uh, nice. to next year's yeah. appeal. So you can make your gift now at catholicaoc.org slash CMA, and we'll count that towards the 2024 CMA, nice. even though you can count it towards your 2023 taxes. Nice. So there you nice. go. And then finally, um, one that uh, really does kind of hit that practical tax uh, reason um, is something called uh, the Catholic Education Foundation Scholarship Granting Organization Program. Yeah, this is unreal. This is it, this is going to sound a little hard to believe um, what I'm about to share with you. But like if you pay taxes in the state of Ohio and you would prefer that that money go to support Catholic education, you have the option to make a gift that does exactly that. So there is, through the state of Ohio, they've um, set up a program where each individual taxpayer can make a gift of up to $750 and have a dollar-for-dollar credit against their tax liability um, that essentially changes your tax dollars into uh, support for Catholic schools. And on top of that, yes, the gift is going to the Catholic Education Foundation, but you can designate it to a Catholic school of choice. So you can even pick the school that you want it to go and support. Um, it sounds too good to be true, but I've done it personally. You do need to you know, do your own due diligence, talk to your tax advisor if you need to, um, but learn more at catholicbestchoice.org slash SGO. Catholicbestchoice.org slash SGO. It is it's unreal. We've been talking to Matt Rinkmeyer, Wayne Top from the Stewardship Department of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Guys, it was good to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us, Anna. All right, 21 past, traffic and weather coming up next. Why do so many businesses choose to underwrite Sacred Heart Radio? 
It's because our radio signals reach over 600,000 Catholics locally who've told us they want to use the businesses they hear on Sacred Heart Radio. Listeners that are also in the perfect target consumer group, according to our latest survey. And this is the ideal time to get your business in front of our listeners with our special Christmas underwriting packages. To find out more, email me, Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. Good food can still be fast food. Bridgetown Finer Meats, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has a convenient online store at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. They're all your favorite prepared foods like their delicious homemade soups, beef barbecue, chicken and stuffing, and sweet potato casserole, all available at a click of a button for same-day pickup. They also have high-quality fresh meats like pork, veal, chicken, beef, and seafood, and even produce. Fast, convenient shopping on the go at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. For Catholics, being united with God for eternity is the goal of earthly life. A Catholic cemetery is sacred because it holds our bodies, once temples of the Holy Spirit, until the Lord comes again. The Archdiocese of Cincinnati has consecrated Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery to provide this ministry and remind us that life is not ended, but changed. Today, you can ensure that you and your loved ones are interred in accordance with your faith. Call 513-489-0300 or visit gateofheaven.org. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Rua Wood Psychological Services, integrating psychological science and the truths of our Catholic faith with offices in Dayton and Cincinnati. More information at 513-407-8878 or rwpsych.org. 23 minutes past the hour now, and this traffic report is a service of Rose Automotive, pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton, on the web at Rose Automotive Group. Dot com Got a new accident blocking the right lane of southbound 71 right around Smith Edwards. And that has you stacked up toward Kenwood. Southbound 75, they've cleared up the accident that was in there, but you are still slow as you head southbound through the Lachlan split. Northbound 7175 is a little slow from Buttermilk Pike up to the cut in the hill. And eastbound 275 at the bottom of the loop. A little slow uh, from Madison Pike or just past Madison Pike over through the construction toward 471. Now for weather, partly cloudy and breezy today in Cincinnati and warm, a high of 70 degrees. Mostly cloudy tonight and mild with an overnight low of 58. Mostly cloudy with a slight chance of rain tomorrow on Election Day and a high of 68 degrees. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, a mix of clouds and sun this morning, cloudy cloudier this afternoon with a high around 68 cloudy with a slight chance of a shower tonight and an overnight low of 55 clouds early then partial sunshine expected tomorrow on election day with a high of 66 degrees now please pray with me the prayer for ohio hard to believe election day tomorrow and so we pray and increase our prayer and fasting in these these last two days before we get the results over issue one. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Ever-living God, you give life and desire a future for all your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community and awaken in every heart, offer the gift of life. Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and their children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you. 
and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers and to guide all parents in raising their children. May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and accompanying pregnant women in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady, Mother of the Family, pray for us. St. Joseph, Protector of the Unborn, pray for us. And also, please pray with me the guardian angel prayer for all consciences in Ohio to be pricked. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love entrusts me here, ever this day be at my side, to light, to guard, to rule, to guide. Amen. Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo joins us next. It's 26 past. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Stegman Landscape. Serving the tri-state since 1979, Stegman Landscape can create a picture-perfect landscape all year long. From design, installation, and maintenance to retaining walls, patios, and outdoor fireplaces to enjoy any season, Stegman Landscape can do it all. Stegman Landscape, making the world more beautiful one yard at a time. 859-781-1562 and online at stegmanlandscape.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive. Serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton. RoseAutomotiveGroup.com. us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo with the McGrath Institute for Church Life at Notre Dame. He's host of the Church Life Today podcast and author of the book we've been going through, A God Who Questions. Good morning, Dr. DeLorenzo. Good morning, Annie. So we are heading to Mark chapter 8 for today's question from Jesus. But just to give some context first, Um, I find this so interesting. So in Mark 8, Jesus feeds the 4,000, and then the Pharisees demand a sign from him. Uh, Okay. (laughs) He feeds 4,000 people with, like, seven loaves of bread, but they want a sign. (laughs) And then Jesus, like, has a bunch of questions leading up to the one that we're going to be talking about. He says, why does this generation seek a sign? And then He talks about, you know, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And then he goes, why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? Then he lets them answer (laughs) and goes on from there. And then we get to the passage that we'll be reflecting on today, starting in in verse 22 of Mark chapter 8. It says, And they came to Bethsaida, and and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands upon him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see men, but they look like trees walking. 
Then again, he laid his hands upon his eyes and looked intently and was restored and saw everything clearly. And he sent him away to his home saying, do not even enter the village. So this question, do you see anything? How do you reflect on that, Dr. DeLorenzo? Well, I'm so glad that you read the lead up to this episode, because that's really what struck me when I came to really more deeply reflect on this. That question, do you see anything? I have come to marvel at how it is asked, of course, of that man who's being healed. But I think it's being asked of those others as well who are there in the preceding episode and then will be there in the subsequent episode where Peter gives his great confession that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I think that the healing of this blind man, which is peculiar, of course, because it happens in stages and doesn't happen all at once. I think he becomes for those who are surrounding Jesus, a mirror. He becomes an image for them of themselves who are being healed in stages, but haven't allowed the healing to set all the way in. They have seen his deeds, they have heard his words, and yet they have not taken them deeply to heart. They have not understood all the way. They do not trust him fully. And so I think that question, do you see anything, is being reverberated throughout the setting there. And it's being asked perhaps of everyone, including, I think we ought to think, us as the one who's encountering the gospel. Do you see anything yet? Do you trust me? Do you see all the way? Or are you going partially in and partially out? It's such an important question for us to to ask ourselves to reflect on in our own lives, because so often our sight, as it were, comes in stages as well. And sometimes we even revert back and have to grow again. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's like this kind of back and forth ebbing and flowing. Indeed, in that last command that Jesus gives to this once blind man who's now healed is don't even go back to the village. And I think if we reflect on that in terms of our own encounter here, or we could think of the disciples who are in that setting, their encounter, perhaps that is a command not to go back to those ways that you have indulged in, the things that lead you to sickness, that induce your blindness, that you know you somehow strangely like and you know at the same time Those are not good for you. And so do not even go back to the villages. In some ways, don't even go back. Don't even entertain the possibility of going back to where you were. Stick here. Stay with me. Continue to see more deeply and trust that I will show you what you need to see. Well, yeah, because, I mean, if we embrace this fully, Jesus gives us his sight, right? Oh, what a beautiful insight. Indeed, like how to see the world and how to see each other. It is indeed through his eyes to see the world as created and as now being redeemed and sanctified, to see the world in and through the Father's love, to see it through, especially here in Mark's gospel, his suffering, the will to suffer out of love. And he, as the suffering servant, which is how he's presented in Mark's gospel, shows us that the Father's will is so strong and so consistent that he will suffer the consequences of our ingratitude and our sinfulness to liberate us from them. And if we can see that mercy and see ourselves and the world in that mercy, that is a revolution of our hearts and the revolution of perspective that will lead us to true vision. Yeah, and of course, as we you've been saying, this is kind of a, a thing that can be done in stages as as Peter shows us right after this incident. Oh, Peter, the great flip-flopper here, right? He has the great (laughs) confession of faith, 
And yet immediately afterwards, he's uh, chastised for leading or trying to lead Jesus back into the ways of temptation, into the ways of the devil. Get behind me, Satan. Peter, who gives the greatest confession of any of these uh, apostles who are following Jesus, is also the one who's reprimanded the strongest here. And I think we see there in Peter, do you see anything yet? He's being healed in stages. This great flash of insight, this great openness of heart is followed by the clouding of his eyes and the closing of his heart. So it's easy for us always to see, especially Peter as a little bit of a comedic character, as the one who gets things right and gets things wrong and is saying things boldly, but often in the wrong way. But we ought to allow Peter to show us ourselves in some ways, too. In those moments of great faith, when we have our great confessions, not just of word, but perhaps of deed and in ways of life, we are also susceptible. And I think each of us probably knows how we drift back into and by our own will go to those ways that are not of Christ. And those don't have to be spectacularly sinful ways. They can just be ways of selfishness silently or of lack of compassion or lack of trust or a lack of resolve and following through on the Lord's will. Or just being distracted. I want, I, I, <laughs> I have to say, I'm looking at verse 23 here in Mark chapter 8, Mark eight twenty three, and it says, He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. So he's taken out of the the hubbub, if you will, all of the distraction of society before he can be healed by Jesus. And I feel like there's a lesson in there for us, too, that we have to be willing to let Jesus take us out of that. You know, one of the things I mentioned, actually, just sort of briefly in this reflection in the chapter, are the stages of mystical ascent, which are passed down through the ages, and the great saints and mystics give us insight into this. But it's really a uh, description of the way in which conversion happens. Conversion from sin to new life, but also more deep and more lasting conversion from good to the greatness of the Lord. And the stages of mystical ascent always go in a certain order. It begins with the purgative way. And the purgative way is always being separated from those bad inclinations and bad habits, those sinful ways, the ways of the world that we have grown accustomed to. And there is no path to conversion if we try to hold on to those ways and at the same time bring in the ways of the Lord. We have to be broken from those ways. And it's like a detox. It's painful. Uh, it's hard to let go of what we've grown accustomed to. And I think Jesus taking him out of here is taking him through the purgative stage so that he can be illumined and eventually unified to the Lord. Beautifully put. We've been talking to Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo. You can find his book, A God Who Questions, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. It was good to talk to you, Dr. DeLorenzo. Thank hey, you. have a great day. Thank you, you do the same. Thank you. All right. 36 minutes past the hour now. It's time for news. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has made a pair of unannounced visits in the Middle East. Yesterday, Blinken met with Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas during a surprise trip to the occupied West Bank and later traveled to Iraq. Speaking in Baghdad, Blinken said he believes progress is being made as the U.S. keeps works to keep the conflict in the Middle East from spreading. Meanwhile, Pope Francis has said the wars in the Middle East and Ukraine and elsewhere around the world are killing the future of children. During his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father appealed for a ceasefire by Israeli forces in Gaza and for Hamas to release 
the 200 Israelis it's holding hostage. He also asked for prayers for the people of Nepal as rescue efforts continue around the clock after a major earthquake there on Friday. Thousands of buildings in Nepal reportedly collapsed in the magnitude 5.7 quake, which left at least 157 people dead and some 250 others injured. The Holy Father expressed sorrow for the deadly quake as he prayed for them, saying he is close to the people of Nepal who are suffering. The off-year election is tomorrow, and all eyes in the pro-life community are on Ohio, where voters will be deciding on issue one and whether abortion should be enshrined in the Ohio Constitution. In Kentucky, meanwhile, Democratic Governor Andy Bashir is running for a second term against Republican challenger State Attorney General Daniel Cameron. 8.38 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Ackman. Bengals back in the uh, playoff picture. I know there's still plenty of football to go, but Cincinnati improved to 5-3 and three with last night's 24 to 18 Sunday night football win over the Buffalo Bills. Joe Burrow, sharp as always, 31 to 44 uh, passing, uh, went for 348 yards, two touchdowns, and again Cincinnati improves to five and three, tied for second in the AFC North, and will host the Houston Texans on Sunday. Everybody in the AFC North happened to win over the weekend as well. Ohio State undefeated uh, in college football after knocking off Rutgers on Saturday, 35-16. That improves Ohio State to 9-0 and and will take on Michigan State next Saturday. Cincinnati, not so lucky, 28-26 loss to uh, UCF. Good news, FC Cincinnati, they won on penalties 8-7 over the New York Red Bulls. FC Cincinnati advances to the semifinals and will face either Philadelphia or or New England. College basketball also returns tonight for all local teams. Let's check in on sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show, 20 till the top of the hour. Family, thank you for putting a Sacred Heart Radio bumper magnet on your vehicle because our recent listener survey told us just how many of you started listening after seeing one of our bumper magnets. In fact, some have declared that our bumper magnets are life changers. So to change lives, just take a drive. Showing off your Sacred Heart Radio bumper magnet. Now they're free, so to get one or a stack for your parish, go to sacredheartradio.com and click signs and magnets. That's sacredheartradio.com. Click signs and magnets. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. Thanks for being with us on this Monday, November the 6th. 
I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Dr. Benjamin Lewis from the International Commission on English in the Liturgy. Dr. Lewis, good morning. Good morning, Matt. How are you? I'm doing well, and uh, at the beginning of November, we celebrate the Feast of St. Charles Borromeo, and there was a prayer uh, that you wanted to share with our listeners uh, to kind of get a sense of the English translation compared to the Latin that it comes from, and maybe give us like a cool sort of window into this. Uh, which one were you looking at specifically? Yeah, so for the Mass for St. Charles Borromeo, I want to look at the prayer after communion. And before I read it in English, I want to uh, clue you in that there is a little rhetorical flourish that you should be listening for. I'll see if you catch it when I read it. Uh-oh, I'm, on, this... I'm, on, I'm being quizzed now. <laughs> yes, exactly. So this is the prayer after communion for St. Charles Borromeo. May the sacred mysteries of which we have partaken, O Lord, we pray, give us that determination which made St. Charles faithful in ministry and fervent in charity through Christ our Lord. Okay, so I'm just trying to think of all the Latin roots of those words and coming up with absolutely nothing. So uh, what is kind of like the angle there? So so all you need to listen for is just the English. The very end, we've got a nice little parallel uh, two phrases, faithful in ministry and fervent, fervent in charity. charity. So it's a nice little bit of alliteration, faithful and fervent. Um, you might think that the translator just sort of came up with that in English on his own, just as a kind of rhetorical flourish. But it's actually something that's in the Latin text as well. So the Latin there at the end of that prayer um, faithful in ministry is translating in ministerio fidelem, and fervent in charity is translating in caritate ferventem. So fidelem, faithful, ferventem, fervent. So it's one of these happy situations where the English translation can actually follow the Latin quite closely and and reproduce a kind of rhetorical and even poetic flourish that's present in the Latin of the prayer. Um, so that's kind of a nice little um, thing that we, we don't always get to get to reproduce those kinds of elements in the Latin, but when we can, it sort of, uh, it helps make it uh, a little more memorable. Uh, it makes it stick a little better in the mind to have that kind of parallel at the end, faithful in ministry and fervent in charity. But there's actually something more, uh, there's more, there's a third parallel phrase in the Latin that we didn't translate um, with the same alliteration in English. It's, um, if you go back up to, give us that determination, which made St. Charles faithful in ministry and fervent in charity. The word that we've, the phrase that we've translated as determination is in the Latin, it's animi fortitudinem. Oh, so wow, really so got, like the spirit of fortitude. Exactly, or the for, fortitude of spirit. Um, oh. Yeah, so fortitude of spirit, um, or f you might say firmness of mind. Uh, so determination, it's it's in the same range of meanings. Um, it, it's maybe not the most literal way to translate it, but it gets the same idea. So I think, I, I, I'm just speculating a bit here, but I suspect that Perhaps one reason we didn't translate that literally as fortitude of spirit or firmness of mind or something like that is uh, if we had had three parallel phrases all alliterating on the letter F, uh, somebody probably would have complained that that was just a little bit too heavy. <laughs> 
a little bit too rhetorical. You know, we were being nobody too fancy. ever complains about too much puns or alliteration <laughs> on this radio show. So I mean, no, but that is so cool. You know, but it, it also kind of reminds me of uh, of something that, that I've been meaning to 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 ask you to explain because when you say you know faithful in charity or fervent in charity, right? Faithful in ministry. Uh, when you hear it in the Latin, those words "faithful" and "fervent" are actually at the end of the sentence, right? right. Because the, you, you're dealing with not just you know trying to figure out what word matches in English, but you're also kind of the sentence is. I mean, it's not like translating Yoda, but that's the best example I can think of. Like sure. some things that would be normally at the beginning of our sentences are at the end of the sentence in Latin. Yeah, yeah. So, to, so Latin word order works a little differently than English word order. So there's a little more flexibility, uh, and typically adverbs or adverbial phrases in Latin will come immediately before the word that they're modifying. So here, it, in ministry, faithful, is that that's the word order in Latin, in ministerio fidelum. So in ministry, faithful. So the phrase in ministry is kind of modifying faithful. How were they faithful? How was he faithful? He was faithful in ministry. How was he fervent? He was fervent in charity. So in English, we tend to put those kinds of adverbs after the word that they modify, but in Latin they usually come before. Well, it gives a kind of a just different flavor to the conversation. Uh, sure. You know, if I were to say, <clears throat> as a translator, you are proficient. Like you're kind of hanging mm -hmm. on that word, right? Like you're like, sure. What do you, as a translator, I'm what, right? You know, there's kind of yeah. a, a weird sort of anticipation that it builds when you put the adverb at the end of the sentence. Yeah. So, well. Dr. Benjamin Lewis, if our listeners want to connect with you, maybe get a copy of the Divine uh, Office Hymnal. How do they do so? Well, uh, they can connect with us on the, on the internet at icellweb.org. And uh, if they want to order a copy of the Divine Office Hymnal, it's being published by GIA. Very good. And St. Charles Borromeo, pray for us. Pray for us. And thank you for uh, dealing with my feeble attempts to try and figure out parts of speech on it. <laughs> On a Monday morning. <laughs> no, you're doing great, Matt. Have a great day. All right, we've got Dr. James Schrader next. It is 13 Till. Support comes from On a Mission to Love for books, handcrafted gifts for baptism, communion, confirmation, wedding, birthdays, and more, all deeply based in the rosary and devotion to our Holy Mother. Onamissiontolove.com. That's onamissiontolove.com. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait. 513-941-0428. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Looking for a special gift for a loved one this holiday season? Consider an offering of rest, prayer, and a time for reflection. Give the gift of a weekend retreat at the Jesuit Spiritual Center, a time to get away from the busyness of life and embrace God's love and mercy. Call now at 513-248-3500 for more information. That's 513-248-3500, 513-248-3500.
Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Dr. James Schrader, Vice President of the Psychology and Wellness Department at Easter Seals Rehabilitation Center. He's online at james-schrader.com. Dr. Schrader, good morning. Yeah, good morning. You know, we sort of take for granted, uh, those of us who have been on the planet for several decades, that when we talk about the holy souls in purgatory, we all kind of think back on who we miss and, you know, how we're praying for them. But for those who are under the age of 10 and haven't been through a whole decade yet, uh, grief is grief is going to hit a little different. So some are, what are some of the ways to maybe understand how to help kids uh, maybe process grief, especially during this month of the Holy Souls? Yeah, I think the first thing we have to understand is what happens with development and how does that change kids' perception of grief. So... Typically, and again, this doesn't hold exactly fast for every child, but typically kids who are preschool age do not understand two things about death. They don't understand that it's permanent, and they don't understand that it's inevitable. So I think that when we're talking with very young kids and we're trying to process what's going on, let's say a, a four-year-old, we have to recognize they don't recognize, they don't understand that this is, again, permanent and inevitable um, in regards to someone's passing. So that, that changes the way we may talk about it. We may be kind of confused sometimes with their reaction, but that's important there. Once the kids typically get to school age, they start to understand the permanence of death, um, but they don't recognize that it's inevitable typically until around the age of you know, 9, 10, 11. And so um, they may not kind of realize and understand their own, you know, that eventually they will die someday and that that will happen there. And so I think the first thing is you've got to understand kind of where your kids are at in the developmental stage before you can ever kind of process any grief of any kind. Right. I mean, you can't just do a blanket statement. And there are a lot of people listening who have kids at multiple stages of this, right? right? So, right. I mean, I guess that calls for multiple levels of sensitivity. It really does, yeah. And, you know, again, with very young kids, you may just be talking about, you know, that they've, they've passed on and that they've died, um, but you may have to recognize that other questions are going to come up later on once they understand things better, that it doesn't indicate anything's wrong. It's just that, you know, neurologically speaking, they're kind of ready to think about things at a deeper level. But I think beyond the development, the other piece of it that we really want to do is I, I have, you know, three rules in my office with kids um, they're really important that I always vet with the kids and the parents. And the first is, you know, are you entitled to any emotion that you have? And I, and I think it's really important for kids to understand the answer is yes. Like whatever emotion they have about someone passing, whether it's sadness, anger, you know, disappointment, confusion, whatever, we really have to honor that and really talk to our kids um, and let them know that we're open to hearing about that. The second thing is, you know, the second rule is kind of are they allowed to have any thoughts at all, even if it differs from people around them. And um, again, the answer really needs to be yes, that even though parents and others are going to teach them things that are important, they're entitled to their own thoughts. And kids may have some strange thoughts about, you know, someone dying or something that doesn't quite line up with how you think they should think. And while I think as parents it's important to teach our kids different traditions and teach our kids how to handle, um, you know, we feel like when someone passes, we also have to recognize we need to be open to the kind of thoughts that they have. Um, and, you know, the third one is more of can you act however you want based on how you think and feel? Well, you can act however you want, but, of course, sometimes that can get, you know, in trouble if you're a kid. And so I think the second level is just saying, hey, we really as parents have to be open to kind of entertaining whatever thoughts and feelings come our way and then have conversations that lead out from there. And that is where, you know, I think it can be very difficult when you've got a bunch of people in the same room and someone's processing it one way and another person's processing it another way. 
and sometimes those things don't match up. I mean, we have that kind of problem as adults, right? Where right. somebody right. wants to tell a funny story about this person that we've just lost, and somebody else is like, I'm not ready for funny stuff yet. <laughs> I mean, we know, we know that even as adults we have those issues. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, think about the different stories and the things that come up at the funeral home or in other places. And for some, it might be uh, a story that really engenders a, a sense of a feeling of goodness, but for someone else, it might not engender that at all. And so I think with our kids, you know, helping them um, understand their own reactions and why death, even for us adults, can be a very confusing thing is okay. Like, again, it goes back to this idea, like, if your kids are confused, like, it's okay. I mean, we're still confused. I'm 46, and I sometimes don't understand the best way to deal with someone that is, you know, has passed. Um, and so I think the third, the third thing I would just say for parents is, while death is a very, very sad thing, and we need to honor whatever feelings and however we're processing that, um, I always, I think we all know that the closer you are to someone, the harder death hurts, and that the reason it does is because that person has truly impacted your life probably in many good ways, even if not all of it's good, right? And so we want to honor this with our kids. We want to find ways to truly help them celebrate, like whether it's a grandparent or even in a situation with a parent or someone really close, like how can we still celebrate the impact and the person that they are and have been for our child's lives? And I think that, you know, there's so many creative ways that we can help our kids whether things that they make or, you know, they, they sing or, or they pray or whatever else it is. But, um, you know, we all have to deal with this passing, and I, I think that the ways that we help our kids celebrate um, can truly be probably the most transformative at all when we're dealing with this topic. Yeah, we were just talking about this with our Bible foods lady, Rita Heikenfeld, right, who does these segments. Like, you can even do this through recipes, right? You can, uh, and, yeah. And this is, this is a great way to kind of have that sort of concrete, tangible you know, experience of the senses that connects you back with that person. I love that. Yeah, I love the idea of a recipe. I love the idea of thinking five years later you could be making something and it's a celebration of, you know, let's say your grandparent who passed because this recipe was something that was so part of that, you know, person's tradition and who they were. And it was obviously much more than food. It was very life-giving. It was very joyful giving. And so um, I think when, when we help our kids, find joyful ways of celebrating people, even in sad moments, you know, days later, years later, whatever, we ourselves are renewed with this idea that every single person that we're given that impacts us in a positive way is really a gift. And it's easy to be caught up in like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to carry on or how I'm going to feel when this person's gone. What if they were never there in the first place, right? What if they were never there in the first place? The loss would have been so much greater. And I think when our kids understand that message too, oh, wow, yeah, you're right. The loss would have been so much greater than they recognize the beauty of each person as God's design. Yeah, they are a gift. And uh, just as a side note, if you think that my grandmother's biscuits recipe is going to be disappear from my family just because she's gone to her reward, you don't know anything about my family. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's got at least one or two recipes that they feel that way about from people who have gone on. But uh, thanks so much, Dr. James Schrader. We've got you linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Uh, he writes for the National Catholic Register as well. Have a great day. Yeah, have a great day too. Thanks. All right, that wraps it up for a Monday. We're back again on a Tuesday. Until then, may God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Ryan Lopez here. You know, making a positive impact on the world starts with making a difference in your local community. Every day, thousands of people invite Sacred Heart Radio into their homes, cars, and places of work. 
And because of this, they can go out into their communities, strengthened by the gospel message and ready to spread the love of God. This is all made possible because of the generous support of listeners like you. Now, if you want to make a difference locally to change the world globally, visit sacredheartradio.com and click donate. Thank you. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Our Lady of the Holy Spirit Center, presenting the Advent of Christmas in Bethlehem. Bethlehem comes alive and the spirit of the Holy Land is reborn. Sunday, December 3rd is a special day for the children with crafts and activities, St. Nicholas, and live animals. And December 10th, the living interactive town of Bethlehem continues. And this year, it's even bigger than ever. Register at theholyspiritcenter.org. All proceeds benefit the Holy Spirit Center. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Young adults, have you thought about God's calling for your life? We invite you to consider consecrating your life to God as a member of the Catholic Corps. Dedicate your life to prayer and enjoy living in community with like-minded Catholics. Support families through helping host events and spreading the message of total consecration to Jesus through Mary in union with St. Joseph. Visit the Catholic Corps Consecrated Communities for one week this spring and fall. Sign up today at afc.org cc. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Born from the heart of St. Daniel Comboni, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most abandoned people in the world for more than 150 years. The Combonis improve quality of life with resources like food, clean water, and medicine. They provide vital education in schools and spiritually minister through the sacraments, all while preparing local Christian leaders to serve their people now and in the future. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. I'm Deacon Bill Mullaney from Immaculate Heart of Mary Parish. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more 